the headlines today. We've got Well, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Dallas, Texas these days. Uh, highway, uh, police officers stopping people. Uh, police officers entering into places they shouldn't be and other folks' house and police around the country. Well, as a matter of fact, there was a police shooting in Memphis last night and we've got to get all the details on that ironed out for you. What, well, nonetheless, we have a special guest, uh, that's going to be talking with us right now. And, uh, you know the situation, and we're gonna talk to him. Let's talk about it. Josh, our next guest, uh, well, the situation that down in Dallas, Texas, concerning, uh, uh, the guy that got shot in his apartment, and his name is? Uh, Botham Gene. Botham Gene, yeah, that's right, and, I hope uh, saying it right there, yeah, and so we, our guest will could come on here in just a second. As we introduce him, and as a matter of fact, he was at the funeral uh there, and he has some things to say, and we're going to talk about that as well. And we're honored right now, ladies and gentlemen, as we introduce our guest. He is the lead pastor at Greenville Oak Church of Christ out of Dallas, Texas, and we want to welcome him uh, to the show today, Mr. Colin Packer. Colin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to be on with you today. I hope I pronounced your name correct. There's a Colin, a Colin, and a Colin. Colin, you got it, Colin. Colin Packer. All right. Hey, again, thanks for being with us today. Man, look, there there are some things that uh, you came out and said. As a matter of fact here, let me um, uh, read something that led into your thoughts. Uh, One person wrote before you there uh, on, on Facebook, and this person wrote, uh, the white church and white evangelists in particular don't have a good track record of speaking out against racism, sexism, and other abuses. In fact, we do a pretty good job of stifling, uh, stifling it is, and shouting down those who do often, uh, in the name of unity or harmony. And this person said, I'm proud to know leaders and teachers like Colin, um, who are challenging that narrative in truth and love. So this is what this person said about you. Now, to talk about what we're talking about, you're talking about, uh, this, we're talking about the situation you attended the funeral of Bolton, is that Bolton or Bolton? Shim. Bolton, yes. Uh-huh. Bolton, Shim, Jay, John. John. Yeah. Okay. And this situation, you came out and said a lot of things here. Let's talk to talk to us about your feelings on this, and uh, what's what uh, are all the other people saying about you? Well, it, it was a, a meaningful opportunity to, to attend. Uh, I never met both of them myself. He did attend our church a few times, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, obviously, when I heard the news with the rest of Dallas and the rest of the nation, the world. Uh, was devastated with uh, the, the situation around that, and uh, so I wanted to go and show my support. Um, he is part of our kind of network of churches, our small tribe, and um, and so it was a, a devastating occurrence. And uh, just wanted to show support uh, from white churches. Unfortunately, eleven o'clock on Sunday morning is still the most divided time in our nation, and uh, that, that's uh, that's an offense to the gospel. It's not what God's called us to uh, to represent in uh, the unity He desires, and so. 
Uh, I just wanted to, to, to be an opportunity to, uh, to be present to, uh, bless, uh, my African American brothers and sisters that were there along with, you know, PricewaterhouseCoopers where he worked and, and Harding University where he attended. It was a, a mixed crowd and, uh, it was an incredible event and I was sorry later that day to hear the news that was coming out about, uh, warrants and so forth that, uh, seemed like they were uh, trying to criminalize and, and do what happens so often, unfortunately, in the black community when, uh, these uh, these shootings happen, and so I uh, just felt the need to, to speak out about that, and uh, wanted my uh, church and my brothers and sisters who are white to, to hear uh, my own confession that uh, we need to do better, we need to speak up, and that God cares deeply about justice, and that's uh, what I care about as well. Okay, and you mentioned, uh, and we've heard, heard people uh, for a few years now I've been talking about Sunday morning is the most uh, racist or divided hour. Uh, in the, in the, uh, in, among anything else, yeah, and is among the church. Definitely. Uh, talk to us about that. What do you, what do, in your opinion, your meaning, what do you mean about that? Well, it, it's pretty obvious that, uh, we, that we often sit in, in churches, uh, and sometimes as echo chambers, just like we do on social media and so many other places. And, uh, you know, I, as I read scripture and what God's trying to get us to do and, and what it's going to be like eventually in heaven, you know, uh, there's not going to be a, a choice to be in separate places, and that's not the desire at all. That's not the design. And, and so, unfortunately, when we uh, go into our church, different buildings, um, we, we don't have the racial reconciliation and the opportunity to live in community with each other. It happens so many other times of the week uh, as we come in contact with each other. Uh, but that's my desire is that would happen more and more and that our churches would reflect the diversity of our communities and uh, work together and know each other, hear each other's stories mm. rather than uh, just hearing the stories in our echo chambers that we so often hear. Okay. So, uh, and this is uh, Josh, you're the co-host, yes. um, uh, Mr. Pecker. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you because I was reading over your, your post and everything and you talked about uh, the fact that, you know, we don't just murder African-American men. We murder their character. And we continue to justify systems that have continually devalued black bodies from the moment they arrived on our shores on slave ships. So what made, um, when, when you talk about that, what do you think can be done to reverse that? Because there's a lot of people, and a lot of people like yourself, white pastors, and just a lot of some white people in general, not a, all of them, of course, as people know, because there are mm-hmm. people uh plenty of white people that are fighting for the movement as well but at the same time why do you think that fact seems to be so ignored do you think people just don't want to address it or are there really people that believe that this is this doesn't exist and why don't they want to address it yeah uh at the same time yeah. pastor yeah well, I, I think we're storytelling people and uh, so we get details in situations and uh, we can speak out before uh, we know the whole story, and unfortunately, we tell those stories in ways that benefit uh, the way we see the world and our worldview. And so often, uh, you know, I, I've been impacted so much by the shootings uh, from Trayvon Martin on forward, all of the, the hashtags that are more than hashtags, their names and people, and uh, people that are creating the image of God. And so when I when I hear those those stories, uh, unfortunately, so many of us, we, we, we tell our own stories about what that is. And so we try in some way, I think, to justify why these things are happening. Try to make sense out of it. Try to make sure that it's not just a senseless thing. And unfortunately, the way that many choose to go is that we uh, we uh, put mug shots up in the past, or we uh, we we uh, tell stories about the worst of an individual rather than telling the stories that I heard at the funeral, which is uh, of an incredible young man, Botham, 
who uh, uh, was a part of mission work, was a, was a worship leader. But it doesn't matter if he was a good individual or if it was a challenging individual, mm-hmm. the circumstances around it. It's not that you have to live up to a certain standard in order not to have this happen. That should be true of anyone in our community. Uh, but unfortunately, what we often do is we look for reasons to justify. And that's where that murder of character happens. And that's where we continually justify these systems through telling the worst possible stories rather than the best possible stories that those that are close to these individuals um, and brothers and sisters, they uh, they know deeply. And so it's our division, and it's our not knowing, and it's the stories that we tell, unfortunately, that are the worst possible, uh, that somehow in our minds justify uh, these things. And, and this is not a justifiable situation. Hmm. Okay, and we're talking to with Pastor Colin Packer, lead pastor of Greenville Oak Church of Christ out of Dallas, Texas, concerning Bolton. Uh, and the shooting down in Dallas, Texas. You, you wrote on here, uh, Pastor Packer, uh, that, uh, your writing says eight days ago, Bolton was murdered in his home. Is that the way you see that? It was that, you could say that murder. What do you think about that whole thing that went down the way it did, if you would, um, mind sharing that with us? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's difficult to, the charges and all those things that are coming forward with the justice system, those are details that obviously none of us fully know. Uh, but if you're in your own home and these things are happening and someone comes in, uh, it's not because of anything that's been done. And so I, I'll leave that to the you know investigators to determine. And I know there's a lot of question about what can be uh, brought through with a guilty charge. The thing is we need justice. And uh, and the details are just devastating. Uh, not only is it uh, that, that we're not safe in the, the streets from time to time, it's also in our own home. And this is a situation that is uh, so so difficult uh, to think that we're in our own home and we're not even safe. Um, and so uh, that's what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about there. I, I really do want to leave that to the investigators to figure out. Um, unfortunately, uh, I grew up uh, believing that the, the justice system was something that you could trust and it was something mm-hmm. that you would, would walk through to what should happen, and that verdicts were what they should happen. And uh, as we've seen over the past few years, and really it's more than the past few years, that's my journey. But it's been decades, it's been centuries, right? It's been from the beginning uh, of, of our nation and country. Uh, that is not something that every community can trust. Well, that's what and, we all would like to think, uh, Pastor Packer, that the justice system and the the law is there to treat all men equally and fairly and, and that everybody is to... Uh, uh, be protected. That's what they're there to, to protect and serve and, and that type of thing so that people won't be afraid of the law. And, uh, but do you feel that's the case now? You have a lot of people that are saying, like for, for instance, we had a shooting in Memphis last night, uh, police officers and people just now don't feel that they are protected and that they're being served in, in the right way. Yeah, and especially the the, the black community, in the, the African American in, 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 in the black community. You have you have this fear that's generating. We talk about it a lot on the show. You know, when when these topics come up, there's a general fear and distrust uh, with the black community and and police officers generating around the country. And of course, I always preface it's not all police officers. We know this, but it looks like the system seems to protect. A lot of those people. What, what do you think can, can, do you think this is a thing can be reversed, a trend that can be changed? Um, you know, what, what do you think? And what, what role do you think the church plays in everything? 
Ooh, that's great. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm struggling with the answers. I got to be honest. I'm coming alive and awake to this in new ways, and yet I'm learning so much. And so yeah. that's why your stories and your voices matter to me, is because uh, it's it's helping me see from a different perspective that gives more truth to it. You know, like I said, I, I grew up assuming that everything just kind of went forward. And so what do you do? You wait for the details to come out, and uh, you trust that they will. And and I'm as I'm coming to see, and as I as my African American brothers and sisters are telling me more of their stories and perspective, it's becoming more and more clear to me that that's not necessarily the case. Uh, what can the church do? Boy, that's a, a great question. You know, so often, uh, at least in my experience growing up, uh, we told the story about the gospel being about God coming to earth and about individuals being saved. And boy, I'm grateful for that grace and mercy. That's uh, that's what Amen. God does. But 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 the call of the gospel, the call of what God's done, the kingdom of God is is much larger than that. It is to ensure that equality is there for all people. It is to ensure that all people are loved and heard. And uh, that is something the church needs to figure out how we can speak up for. I, I know there are, there are plenty of ministers in Dallas and churches that are struggling with this news, and I'm in partnership and walking with, trying to discover what are what are next steps, what are actions. <clears throat> so I trust that uh, the church here in Dallas that there are some that I'm walking with that uh, will will discover and figure out ways that we can speak out and demand that uh, justice be done and speak up. Uh, for those without a voice, that's one of the things that uh, that the Christians I think are intended to do and supposed to do is to speak up for those mm-hmm. without a voice. And so uh, that's that's my intent. That's what I want to walk with others in our area to do. And I hope other uh, brothers and sisters will do that. I trust African Americans do this. I, I, I'm calling out in this post uh, more and more uh, for white brothers and sisters to do that, and that's been less often the case. Now, do you do you feel at times that? Uh, the black community when situations like this go down that, uh, some black uh, Americans would say, well, we don't want, we don't want the white people to say anything about this because they don't know our hurt. They don't know our pain. They don't know anything that's going on. The only thing we want to hear them say is that they agree with us. Uh, is that the right, uh, attitude to take as a, uh, uh, as black people? Uh, when you have, uh, you know, people that of, of all races should be able to comment and to give their, their, uh, comment and their support or whatever they're gonna give what do you think? for this particular situation. What do you think about this? Well, that's a great question. I've struggled with that actually over the last weekend as I put this post out. I, I didn't expect for it to, um grow and, and be shared as often as it has. And, and, uh, as I look back, uh, that was one of my concerns is I didn't want uh, other voices to be drowned out and all of a sudden my voice. You know, my, my post was intended to be spoken to people around me who know me. Um, and obviously that's, that's gone broader than that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think what I want to do from here is make sure that, uh, the black voices are being heard. Uh, but I do know in the civil rights movement, I've, I've had, I've been able to learn that there, ha- there have been always white brothers and sisters that have walked beside. We need to be better allies and we need to be better at lifting up other voices. And so, mm-hmm. Uh, my intent was to speak to my my own community, my my white brothers and sisters, knowing that others would overhear that and hopefully feel support. Uh, but yeah, all too often we come in as uh, as Messiah figures and uh, and don't allow the right voices to speak up. And I have so many friends that could speak to this so much better than I can, uh, and that's what I want to give voice to in the days to come. So I I I, I made a risk in some ways and. Uh, and what I want to do from here is make sure that uh, I'm in the background and others get a chance to lead that out, who understand it and walk through that in, the, in their own shoes. Uh, our guest, Pastor Colin Packer, he's lead pastor at Greenville Oak Church of Christ out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, pastor, uh, we, we have a phone call. Do you mind taking the phone call? If not, I understand. If uh, I'd be glad to, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. And who do we have? Jet. 
Jet, welcome to the show. Good morning on a Tuesday. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, uh, great interview. I was listening, and um, I, I want to commend the pastor for the uh, work that he's doing. And and to that, I want to say um, I really called in about the uh, the fear of police aspect that that you were talking about mm -hmm. uh, a couple of minutes, about a minute or so ago. Mm -hmm. But I also want to chime in on the um, uh, speak or stay in your lane kind of thing you you mentioned too. And just offer a different perspective on that slightly. I, I don't think that most people mean for that white people shouldn't talk up, shouldn't speak out, or shouldn't try to help. Um, I think when you when 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 it comes to the point or place where you disagree, mm -hmm. then I, I think it's more of uh, there's certain things you you don't have a place to disagree with. Now you can disagree. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, I don't think you, it should become a fight or argument about what you disagree on, because that'd be like me disagreeing with a woman that pregnancy is not worth, or uh, uh, giving birth is not worse than having a toothache. You know what I'm saying? When I've had a toothache before, but I've never given birth. So for me to get into a bigger, a bitter argument with her about that, that would be, I'll be out of place, even if I'm trying to help her. You see what I'm saying? So I think okay, that thing so can. Can, so, so, uh, so, so, are you are you saying that uh, as a white person, uh, when when they we, they don't have a right to come in and say anything negative about the black community only if they have something positive? Um, if if I mean I mean why why would that be okay? Why are they tr they're not trying to help if they come in and say something negative? So mm -hmm. why why would they even be needed? I, I okay, think okay, okay. Uh, uh, go ahead, Pastor Collins. Yeah, it's a great question. I try in my sermons never to make pregnancy uh, metaphors because that's a dangerous place to go. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, you, you have wonderful, beautiful kids, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. Uh, I want. I, I, I think my position over the last few years has really been one of listening, and uh, that has been such a, a great place. When we when we come from a defensive place, or when we come wanting to justify our position. Uh, it, it never goes a place, a place good. We don't learn. We think we know all there is to know and growth can't occur. And so for me, the growth has occurred through, uh, the phrase I use is getting curious instead of furious. Mm. When I hear something I don't agree with, uh, I, I want to ask, tell me more. Uh, tell me your experience because, uh, boy, I, I don't see all there is to know. And, uh, and that's especially true in this situation. So I appreciate the caller's, uh, point and, uh, I think with, with relationship, uh, there may be opportunity for more challenge both ways, but my first position and our first position should be to listen and to trust uh, the voices that are coming and to, uh, uh, to get curious and, and ask more of the story because there's always more of the story if we listen closely. And see, this, this pastor here is the best kind of helper to anybody. Okay. <laughs> um, when you're walking into a person's position or situation that you're not familiar with, Mm -hmm. You know, first acknowledge that this is not my experience. I'm not familiar with this, okay. but I want to help. Right, and then you right. can't, you can't go wrong, even if you make a mistake. The person you make a okay. mistake towards should see it as a mistake, but you can't go wrong. Okay. You know, hey, because right. you're, hey. you're genuinely trying to help. Hey, hey let, let me, let, let me say this real quick, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, this is what I actually called for. Okay. About the police fear thing. Yeah. Uh, I recently, I, I, I own an office complex in the city here and I recently had a break in this past Saturday and I was mm -hmm. on the phone, um, and I was there checking out everything. I got a alarm call. It was after Bible study. So I got the alarm call about almost two hours later. Uh -huh. So I went up there, checked everything out. Glass was broken. Um, you know, I called the alarm company back, called the police back. And when the police was on the way, 
I actually called Kelly on the phone. Hey, hey, and I was Jack, hey, to, Jack, uh, Jack, he's got to leave in just a few minutes. I would love for you to call back after he's gone and give us that. And, okay, and that, I, I'll, I, just, I'll just I'll just type it in. It goes to my fear of the police right. rather yeah, than what had happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, I'll try to figure out every kind of way to be cautious. But y'all go ahead. We're gonna open the phone lines uh, after he's off that you can call. But we'll be glad to hear that, man. Definitely, man. Seriously. Uh, Hey, thanks All for right, the call. Uh-huh. All, right. All right, and we got another call real quick. Uh, Pastor Colin Packer, we appreciate you hanging on with us, and we're going to uh, let you go here in just a second, and we appreciate you joining us. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Who do we have? We have Frankie on the line. Frankie, welcome to the show. Good morning. Real quick for the <laughs> pastor. I really appreciate you taking the time to call in. Um, and I, I really am loving your insight in this. And I want to ask you a question because I am aware of the nine protesters that were arrested Sunday um, after the Cowboys game yeah. that are still in jail at this moment, okay. I'm assuming. And I was wondering, what is the atmosphere is there a lot of tension concerning this and i said that because as an african-american woman okay. that we have um the officer who was arrested and posted bail and released within an hour and you got the nine okay make it real quick make it, make it real quick frankie we have to, he has to go he has to go yeah, Frankie, make it real okay. quick. Well, he has to go. Okay, uh, and, go and ahead. So I was just wondering, how is is this causing a lot of tension in the city of Dallas? Okay, uh, Pastor, your comment real quick. Uh, certainly there's tension anytime there's a situation like this. Uh, I, I guess I'd love to speak from uh, what I heard at the the funeral. I was a, in terms of the response that the families called for. Mm -hmm. They do want justice in what I've seen, and that's understandable, and that's something we need to speak up for. Uh, what they have asked is, both of them was a, uh, a wonderful young man who desired for peace uh, to be a part of this, his story. He, he's from St. Lucia and came to the States, and uh, the, the family's called for peaceful protest if that is indeed needed, and, uh, and that's, I think Sunday was an example of that from what I could tell. So, yeah, there's tension as there is in uh, any situation like this, and, and, and tension's part of sometimes how, how good things result or can result. And mm -hmm. so I don't think tension's necessarily a bad thing. Conflict can be productive, and, and that's been the call to family that I'd love to reiterate is they say only peace, peaceful okay. protests, and that would be my intent as well. Pastor, uh, one more call here real quick. You can only take a question. No uh, long comments, please, people. Uh, let's, let's welcome uh, to the phone now. Who do we have? Uh, Pastor Redway. Red Wing, welcome to the show. Good morning on a Tuesday. Hey, Brother Bob, how are you? I'm doing well. What's your question? Good. Well, I, I don't have a question, Bob. I, I wanted to make a statement. Okay, I need you to call back and make your statement after he's off the air. Okay, thank you Thank you very much, Pastor. Uh, uh, if you have a question, that's all we want to do. He has to run. Hey, Pastor uh, Colin Packer, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on today, and I'm trying to keep up with what I promised you I would do here. <laughs> and, uh, Pastor, you said in the statement, we don't just murder African-American men, we murder their character. And we continue to justify systems that have continually de devalued black bodies from the moment they arrived on our shores. And as a, as a white pastor, 
what do you have to say real quick and then uh, uh, before you leave about other pastors joining in, uh, white pastors joining in around the community uh, and joining in this in this effort? Uh, yeah, that's that was the challenge at the end. Is uh, I want my white brothers and sisters to be willing to speak up for justice, to be sta- to stand in solidarity, and most importantly, like I said just a moment ago, to, to be willing to listen without being defensive. Yes, sir. Uh, and so, you know, there's a, a scripture about justice rolling down like a river. Yes. And uh, I think we need to do everything we can to tear down any dam that stands in the way of that river. And so, uh, I, I know there can be a. a uh, threats to, to jobs and, and other things. There are things that come with speaking out and costs that come, but for too long we've not been willing to uh, walk through those costs. And so my challenge and, and uh, encouragement would be uh, walk in partnership with black brothers and sisters. Get to know their stories. Allow them to be on the front lines and uh, and speak up uh, no matter what the cost may be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Pastor Colin Packer, lead pastor of the Greenville Oak Church of Christ out of Dallas, Texas. Pastor, it has been a pleasure and an honor to have you on with us today, and uh, hey, we may have you on again if you don't mind. Well, thanks for the invitation, and God bless you all. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, if you have a phone call, a comment to make now, uh, I'm pretty sure the pastor's listening, and Dallas, you, he will hear your comments, and uh, whatever you have to make, uh, 901-452-3094 or 901-324-7490. What do you think about the conversation? What do you think about what the pastor said? What do you think about the white community? And I know there's been a lot of people, black people in the black community here in Memphis saying they don't want white people involved. They don't want the white church to be involved. But here you have this pastor, a white young man, uh, good character and, and everything, and pastor, lead pastor of a church out of Dallas, and he gets involved. He wants to hear what other white churches and white uh, people in general have to say, especially white leaders, have to say uh, and to step out and to help this effort if a person is innocent. And so this is his uh, take on this. And as a matter of fact, we're going to take a break and we come back. And we go, we're going to go right to the phone lines. And those of you that had comments and not questions, uh, he was only able to be on for so long and Hey, yeah, that's uh, but that's, uh, that's the only reason we couldn't just sit here and listen to the comments. That's why we open the phone lines now to take your comments after he's gone. But hey, thanks for your question. Those of you that are listening in and those that left comments, uh, we really, really appreciate that. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll take your comments. 844, 44 minutes past the hour of 8 o'clock. A very pleasant. Just good morning to you yes. on a Tuesday morning. Yes, Josh. Yeah, just a quick reminder. Um, Coming up later on in the show, uh, we're going to have our segment coming up with Justice Vold and Evan DeVold. Mm-hmm. 925, going to get into Tiger football, basketball recruiting, a little bit of grizzlies if we have time. But also, uh, coming up at 950, our other big special guest, David Moore, former QB for the Memphis Tigers, currently with Garden City Community College, will be joining us at 950. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for all of that still to come. And coming up, the most one of the most important things as well, after the break, your comments coming up after the break. That's important to us. You're listening to Talk Back Live with Bob and John. AM 730 SB Nations Radio. For the best soul food in the Mid-South, it's Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd, 901-946-4303. 
serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And some of the items on their menu consist of catfish, spaghetti, chicken and dressing, turkey wings, meatloaf, fried chicken, cabbage, yams, greens, salmon croquette, and the list goes on. Some of the best soul food you ever taste in the Mid-South, it is Shop and Save. $14.99 South 3rd. Call them again at 901-946-4303. Been in business since 1991. Shop and Save. $14.99 South 3rd. 901-946-4303. For some of the best soul food you'll ever taste. CJ Used Appliances, located at 3530 Jackson Avenue here in Memphis, Tennessee. Call them at 901-487-7882. CJ Used Appliances has the best prices in town, sales and service, heating and air. Also, the best appliances you'll find anywhere in the Mid-South. Refrigerators, uh, microwaves, stoves, washers and dryers, deep freezers, dishwashers, whatever you need in used appliances, and folks will tell you they're the best used appliances anywhere you'll find. That's CJ Used Appliances, 3530 Jackson Avenue. All appliances come with warranty. You can call them at 901-487-7882. Again, 901-487-7882. CJ Used Appliances. In life, we all want to be treated with dignity and respect. At E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, located 3390 Elvis Presley Boulevard, we believe the same thing should hold true when it comes to death. Telephone number is 345-9558. For more than 30 years, Ed Ford has offered the personal touch when it comes to the passing of the special people in your life. As a licensed funeral director, embalmer, and death counselor, Ed Ford will be involved in every phase of the bereavement process when it comes to your loved one. In other words, he won't just sit behind a desk and collect your money like other funeral directors. His main purpose is to personally prepare your loved one for whatever memorial service you desire. His services and prices are the very best in Memphis and the surrounding area. At E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, it's not about the money, it's about a lasting memory. Ed Ford, his wife Myrna, and the courteous staff will be there when you really need them. That's E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, located 3390 Elvis Presley Boulevard. The telephone number again, 345-9558. Not associated with any other funeral home with the same last name. That's E.H. Ford Mortuary Services. And welcome back to the show, Talk Back Live with Bob and Josh. It is now 8.49, 49 minutes past the hour of 8 o'clock Central Time. And a very pleasant good morning to you on a Tuesday morning. Yes, a wonderful, lovely Tuesday morning in Memphis, 73 degrees. 
under a mostly sunny sky. And we want to thank again our special guest, uh, Pastor Colin Packer. He's the lead pastor, Greenville Oak Church of Christ out of Dallas, Texas. And we want to thank him again for joining us this morning and his comments as uh, well as uh, he was at the uh, funeral there and uh, he gave his comments and uh, some other things we we would have liked to talk with him about but uh, time would not permit today 9014523094 or 9013247490 is the number to call get your comments out now folks and uh, we're waiting on you to call get your comments and uh, we couldn't take all of the comments during while the pastor was on because he's on for a limited time and I hope you people call back and would appreciate that and respect that. And if you don't, blow it. Anyway, 901-452-3094 or 901-324-7490. Everybody has something to say. Everybody want to make a statement when the white man's on. Let's go to the phone lines first, and who do we have? Unforgetful. Unforgetful, welcome to the show. Good morning on a Tuesday. <laughs> I'll tell you. I love you, Bob. I love you, man. <laughs> you know how to do it. I'm telling you. It's a white man is on. You got to make <laughs> Man, uh, you know, yeah. if I had the opportunity, man, why can't you just, Bob, you did the right thing. Why can't you just say, hey, should the charges be dropped up to, to murder? Because he said the word murder. Mm-hmm. I would listen to Pastor Packer. And uh, I would ask him, did he know? Did he really know the young lady? I mean, they're still in the same apartment. I would ask that question. Just hit it and let it bend. Yeah. But these people, Bob, <laughs> they took me. Well, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they can call now if they want to talk all that. Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm not. Uh, uh, phone phone lines, if the phone lines are busy, keep calling. Yeah, I'm just, you know, telling you like it is now. Yeah. Hey, look, charge it to my head, not my heart. Now, let me say it that way. Yeah, I'm gonna charge it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, I'll forget. Bob, yes, sir. Man, I know, I know, I'm gonna have some fun listening to this. I just can't wait till uh, Mister Moore come in. And, and say what he have to say, man. It's just a great show today, man. I really appreciate that. Oh yeah, definitely. But man, you definitely. know, there is something that I was wondering what the what black people don't understand when it come to us. You know, like this this comment that you said about, well, you know, it's, it's a black issue. You don't need to be involved in all this kind of stuff. Mm. You know, slavery back in the day was a black issue, but it took a white man to free us. Mm. Mm. I mean, do black folks know that, Bob? <laughs> do they know it? There's good white people out there yeah. who want to do the right thing. Yeah, well. We got to find them. But we can't find them when we hear these handkerchief people out here talking like that, you know, <laughs> stay in your lane and all that. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, brothers, yet. I'm just saying. There's a lot of us that got that kind of mindset. Hey, look, I need your help. Yeah. I would love to see Donald Trump 
I know a lot of people don't like him or nothing, but uh, you know he can shut everything down. He gets a special report and say, "Look at here, a lot of things going on in the black neighborhood. Let's talk about reparation for these people." Mm. I bet the Democrats would go wild. And it would well, be no, no, I'm, I'm forgetful. I heard one pastor say on another station that the black people have they have already been given their reparation. <laughs> Well, they can't be uh, giving all their reparation because, you know, uh, everybody else is feeding off of it. Now, if you only got one group of people feeding on it, then you consider that as a reparation. That's the way I look at it. And I'm not talking about some land or a million dollars in a bank account. I would love if if we had any form of reparation, it would deal with taxes and laws. You know, that's the most important thing to me because, you know, in a form of taxes, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. You know, have certain items, let's say 1,000 or more or 500 more, taxation is zero mm-hmm. for all blacks in America. That means homes and everything, mm-hmm. only for blacks in mm-hmm. America. And as far as law, with all these police shooting. On um, black man's and situation like that, mm. maybe we might need to have some diplomatic laws for black folks in here when it comes to the justice system. Mm. Okay. Well, I, 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 black folks. Yeah, I do understand that there was a black uh, there was a shooting last night in Memphis after the ten o'clock hour, somewhere around there, uh, concerning uh, involving a the police and a young black male. They said he was shot. Um, uh, multiple times, and he he's still in critical condition. Is that the one that ran with the gun? Yes, uh, he was a traffic stop and got out of the car with a gun running. They said some people said he didn't have a gun. The mother's upset he didn't have, you know. So I don't know. So, this thing okay, is still an ongoing situation this morning, and there were people out last night protesting the police and bullhorns and. And uh, all kinds of stuff going on, and uh, you know, trying to challenge the police. They were trying to make them upset, really, to do yeah. something crazy. So, yeah, that's that's but, how, how uh, we do it, Bob, because of the way things are going on in our culture, definitely black. Now, if you had these laws on the book dealing with diplomatic immunity, you know, and you had weapons involved and stuff. Mm. Now, let me tell you something, Bob. This is how I feel. I've been out in the streets, and I know what time it is. Mm. If any black man is have a weapon on them, when you confront it with a police officer and you point it at him, or you running away and you trying to hide behind the bushes and they don't know what's going on, I think they have the right to kill you. You're a threat. Well, I, I, if you got a weapon and you're running and and you pull your weapon out and shoot uh, while you're running. Uh, that that has become to an, an officer or me or you or whoever. We don't have to be a police officer. To me, you you intend to harm me. Yeah, but I'm talking about by law. Mm-hmm. You know, the police have the right to blow you away. Okay, well, that's the way I feel. Okay. If you got a weapon and you can find it with a police officer, like shooting at him, and you running with it, and they don't know if you're going to go behind the building and come back and shoot or whatever, you're a threat. So if they blow you away, I don't have any sympathy for you. None at all. Okay. That's just my feeling on that. Okay. Because the guns need to be out of your hand. Mm-hmm. You don't need, look, you need to leave them guns alone. Period. 
Yeah. I don't understand people why they ride around their cars with guns. You know, why you live your life being scared anyway? Why you live your life uh, in a way that, you know, someone is after you? You need to be out, be out in them streets if you done did something wrong to somebody. You know what I'm saying? That's what's going on. To tell the truth, Bob. It's like that, man. Uh-huh. See, all these people that's, in, that's black in America, I guarantee you 95% of them, they've mm-hmm. done something. Okay. Now, nobody have a right to well, kill you for what you had done. Mm-hmm. But you had done something. Live your life right. Stop messing with people and taking stuff and confronting people and with some crazy stuff over women and all this kind of You done done something. Yeah, well, That's what gets you killed. Now, I just wanted to read some yeah, of this yeah. uh, real quick with uh, the story about what happened uh, last night. Okay. Uh, it says, protesters and police... In a standoff Monday night at the scene where a cop shot and wounded a black man who fled a traffic stop. The man was identified by his mother as a 25-year-old Martavius Banks, a father of two. Uh, he was transported to the Regional One in critical condition. Um, uh, police officers chased the, quote, armed male drivers, what they said, after the traffic stop at 6.30 p.m. MPD, that's what MPD said. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was shot during a, quote, confrontation with the cops. Officials did not immediately identify the suspect and officers involved. Um, at that point, it was still ongoing. Uh, Banks' family and activists gathered at the shooting site near the area, cordoned off by police. His mother, Janice Banks, reportedly was one of the most vocal protesters questioning the police version of the shooting. There's a cover-up, shouted Janice Banks. Uh, she alleged that the police shot her son over minor warrants. He had several outstanding warrants, including a probation violation and driving with a suspended license. Um, the mother said her son did not have a gun. Quote, if he shot, show me the bullets. He at the hospital, do a kit test on his hands. Let me see the proof that he shot a gun, is what the mother said. So... Yeah, that's some of the information. And the protesters were demanding an independent investigation by the TBI. Um, yeah. So, and um, the well, police said that's unlikely to happen because no one died. Yeah. Well, the, here, here's the thing. Uh, some people were saying last night on the scene that TBI was there. I don't know if they showed up last night on the scene at all. Well, they wanted night. them to show up. I don't uh, know they wanted them to, yeah, show up last night and... At the scene, people were carrying on and all this other kind of stuff. Now, uh, the guy was stopped by a traffic stop. He was running from the police. And then he jumps out the car with a weapon and then starts running. Uh, I mean. Now the police said he had a weapon. The yeah. police said he had a weapon. I mean, but, but why would you run from a traffic stop? Why don't you just, as some of the people were saying last night, even in the comment section, why don't you just stay in the car and then uh, instead Go to of and, and no 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 just stay in, if you well, if you, warn him. well they warn him okay well if he's wrong he should go to jail right for goodness sake I mean but uh, if, he, if at least <laughs> well that's at least what, at least you're not dead well that's what some people that's were what I'm talking that's, about Josh right that's what some people were saying if he if he was he had to stay in the car. Uh, everything would have been cool and they would have made the traffic stop. Yeah. Maybe, and, well, hold on. Yeah. Maybe he may go to jail, but he committed a crime. Right. But now he's not, it's not going to make it any better if you run in this particular situation. It's not going to make it any better. Most of the time, what's going to happen? 
it's going to end up somebody's going to get shot like he did last night. Uh, look, he shouldn't have been in the situation. He done something, Bob. That's what I'm talking about. Your idiots and knuckleheads out there, you're still doing the same crap. You know you're on probation. Why you didn't see your probation officer? Why didn't you go by the rules or the law and everything? Why is you driving with a spending license and you've been in jail? Why is you doing this? Why? 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 Mm-hmm. And you bring all this stuff on you, and then you expect the people out here in the public to cry for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, I'm not with that, Bob. Now, yeah, and I, I mean, see a comment that makes sense, right? Um, Jet says here, okay. he said, I carry mine, but not because I have done something but because uh, these days, regular white citizens think it's okay to shoot black people just because they're scared. I don't know if white people going around shooting at black people because they're scared or not. I don't know about well, that. But that well, no, no, let me finish the comment. Okay. If you notice these innocent police shootings aren't usually happening to gangbangers and killers, they're happening to regular working class family men. Okay, well, what about this guy last night in Memphis? That you know, he probably had a warrant or something for his arrest. Well, he jumps out the car, or what? Well, he's on a chase at first, and then he jumps out the car and starts running. Well, well, where they said he had a weapon, so we'll, we'll have to I wait. Just, I want to throw this in there. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and I get what you're talking about the working class men, but I feel like if he ran. And this doesn't mean he needs to be shot by any means. But what I'm saying is, if he ran, he must have been dirty. I mean, he had something on him where he felt like he needed to run. Yeah, that's you know, what because Greg... Because I'm thinking, and that, that was exactly why I'm right. That's what Greg was saying, so, yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, because with those minor warrants, I doubt you would run. Mm. I mean, it's not, it wasn't that serious, I don't believe. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. But it must have been something else going down here. Uh, okay, why did, why, did, why are we... As black people known as jumping out of the car and running. Somebody said in the comments, what are you running from? Well, the thing is, people are scared of the police. Well, no, no. People are labeling those type of people as when they run and they do something crazy like that. You know what most of the comments were? They must have done something or they, they're hiding something or, or they're, they're, they're running. Dirty. That's what, dirty that's, what that's what yeah. most people think. So why? Run and make most people think this is what's going on with you. And think about that story in, uh, a week ago, uh, that 15 year old in the car, and that dude was driving the car, and he was running. And yeah. that 15 year old was saying, Man, would you please stop it? Stop it. Stop the car. Stop the car. He's running. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm just saying, we need to quit that kind of stuff, Bob. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand why black folks are always okay. running. They think, Why are you, you running to? You can't get away. They know who you are. Okay. Where is you running? All right. I forget. Go, go and accept your medicine, man. Yeah, I forget. That's the way I look at it, Bob. Hey, we appreciate the call, man. All right, you welcome, Bob. Yes, Bye. sir. Bye. Nine zero one four five two three zero nine four or nine zero one three two four seven four nine zero. The phone lines are busy. Keep calling. Let's go back to the phone lines. And who do we have? Daniel. Daniel, welcome to the show. Good morning on Tuesday. Good morning, Mr. Bob. What's going on with you? All right, man. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, like, I, I just think it's very important right now to uh, really focus on <laughs> that mission of the police force to protect and serve because mm-hmm. that really pretty much opens up every uh, channel that we've been talking about from, I think, uh, yeah, a lot of the reasons why 
people run, black people run. And I don't, again, I don't believe in race at all. I think it's a figment of our imagination, but for the purpose okay. of this conversation, we will talk about race. Okay. But black, a lot, a lot of learned behavior is done when it comes to running from the police because you're not pretty much thinking from a sensible standpoint, if you're in that position, I would presume you're not thinking about, well, this is just this minor offense or it might not be as bad as I think. You're just running because it's learned behavior. A lot of people get in the line behind one person because it's long line of cars and there's another open lane open. People do it because habitual action groups think, and that's just one aspect. Okay, Daniel, being, let, me, let, me, let me cut you off here. You said something. I want you to comment on it, and maybe you have a great answer for it. Uh, what do you mean by learned? People are running because it's a learned behavior. You just that's you. You see everyone else run like you're just doing it because it's, it's a style to run. Even when I was in college, we used to do stupid stuff and running from campus police. Like we just automatically run because we don't want to deal with. It's just kind of like you don't want your parents to lash out at you and talk down when you did something wrong. You got to go take your medicine to unforgivable's point. People don't want to take the police medicine because historically it's been protecting serve. You've seen things that happen that the police have to do to kind of mm-hmm. control that environment, but it's also things that might be looked at as injustice. Mm-hmm. Getting beat up, having your, your drugs taken from you, and then you get whooped, but you're not going to jail. Like, is that is that cat and mouse relationship in these communities because protect and serve has been the backbone of policing, and you have to change that. Because if you don't change it, you're going to get justification of shooting someone and killing someone, mm-hmm. which is unacceptable under any terms. Mm. Any circumstances, and if yeah. you truly want to see your change met, well, then you need to look at how you can invest in the change. If you're going to say, "All right, leaders, do what you need to do," but as a citizens, we don't have skin in the game. We don't actively say, "Look, the only way we as a citizenry can really do something to help support the leadership that we elect is to come together as large groups." I don't see one citizen doing anything. Okay, uh, do what they can, and they, and they know that's ineffective. You know it's yeah. ineffective when you're talking about well, these type of conversations, mm-hmm. but we don't want to do it. No one wants to do it. Okay, we uh, want to blame leaders. Yeah, we Dan- blame the cops. Daniel, we had someone here said, uh, uh, "Wait, uh, race is a figment of our imagination." Look, and, and, and to even to that individual that is asking as if this is some crazy statement, listen to me and understand me very clearly. We all say we believe in God. We all believe in this entity that I'm quite sure could care less about the color of your skin, your your sexual uh, uh, your sexual foundation, or anything associated with that. That's all BS, sincerely BS. However, mm. it would be irresponsible for me to not look at the things that have happened in this world, from the caste systems in India to the way the Aboriginal people have been treated in Australia to black and white relationships here. It would be irresponsible of me to ever look at things and not re- respect the reality of which race is always talked about. But in terms of the bigger picture, that's why I can't get caught up in uh, what Jet said. Don't come into my neighborhood if you white and you black. Like that is that is somewhat ignorant because if you're saying something real, I don't care what color you are. Truth is truth, and I gotta accept that as a man and or as a woman that truth is truth. Okay. And when you get in the uh, way, you try to segment it and break it down about okay. who has the right to do this. It's like it's it's not allowing us as okay. black people, Dang. quote unquote, because we got greatness in us, Mister Bob. Okay. You, I, I hear you. I will just say let me let me cut you off real quick, if I may. Uh, the did you hear the interview this morning with uh, the pastor out of uh, Dallas, Texas? Yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard okay. the end what, of it, what, but I, when I got the gist of it. Okay, what you what you think, real quick? I mean, it, it's great. That's a tool, but again, it is it it kind of puts the quote unquote black people in this subservient position to where you don't really can't you can't really 
be great. Like, I appreciate that, but that's like not even, there's another level of greatness that us as black people can do to circumvent all of that. And we don't ever talk about our foundation and our roots. We talk about it like unforgivable said. And you're a little bit wrong about that unforgivable from the standpoint, yeah, white people help to free us based on this system, but if you don't understand the Nat Turner's and the millions of revolts that were going on around slavery, then you were truly misguided when it comes to saying that it takes white people to kind of assist us in this, which is very critical in this American system. However, your foundations and roots, which have been they attempted to wipe it away from history, is so powerful and so strong where I can take ten brothers, a hundred sisters in our own community, and we can lift ourselves up almost exponentially. But well, it requires well, why don't a we, why don't, of so why, don't, of, why don't we? Why don't we just look at it instead of just looking at white, black, Japanese saying something or have comments? To say on it, just look at it as a, as a human being having comments to say, uh, as, as far as their rights are concerned, uh, to state their, their opinion on whatever's going on around us in this world. Because we are hurting. People don't want to accept the fact that they can't, it's like, eye for an eye. Oh, you ain't finna. That's, and that's what, that's the fear thing. People are, the people in control, like black conservatives and South Side, say this was going wrong. They're afraid of getting retribution for how things have been done to other people. And then it's like, it's just like, it's the, it's the pendulum. Progressives get in, all the conservatives crunk up. We gotta, oh, we gotta fight back. Uh, conservatives get in, all oh, we gotta fight back on the progressive side. And no one wants to deal with the fact that, man, okay. it ain't even about all that. And okay. that's why you're gonna have teams yeah. and people gonna side up. And it happens. And it's so cool. It's so tricky because guess what? The sports world. That's why I love sports because it brings all those worlds together. They do the same way. Okay, People are going to be committed to their team. Da they're going to be committed Daniel. to their side. They're not going to listen to truth, and they're going to be biased towards it. Like yeah. yeah, Daniel. Exactly. I got you, man. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> That's a great man. Movie. It's been a pleasure to have you on in your call uh, this yeah, morning. Yeah, you know it, man. Yeah, we appreciate it, Daniel. Hey. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it too, man. Okay, take care now. All right, yes, 901-452-3094. Let's go back to the phone lines, and who do we have? Black conservative. Black conservative, welcome to the show. Good morning on a Tuesday. Black conservative, welcome to the show. What's going on? Yes, good morning on a Tuesday. Sound like you're rolling around in the grass. Black conservative going once, twice. Going twice, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead with your comments, sir. <laughs> good morning, I'm sorry about that. I, I was trying to put my head headpiece back in real quick. I was, yeah, I was trying to put my headpiece back in. Yeah, we don't have time for that. Let's go. What, what, what's your comment? You know, here's my, uh, here's my comment. <laughs> Good morning. You know, the last black caller that got out, that got through talking, there was so many idiotic, stupid stuff I ever hear. Why? Uh, hear. Why is it? You know, Why? You know, black folks always claim, namely black liberal Democrats, oh, we got greatness in us. And, okay. and we all can come together and we can, we can take down the, the power, uh, figures of the world. Y'all can't take down nothing. All you gotta do is go look on Chelsea, Hollywood, uh, Macklemore, uh, go down on Florida and look. Y'all, first, first of all, y'all need to get together. And, and 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 clean up the neighborhood uh, that's polluting uh, the city. That's the first thing y'all need to do. And and the idea that you know uh, the black man, the black African man, been treated so bad in society. No, the black African man has been resented, mm -hmm. been res uh, resentful by everybody, 
is because the way he treated folks. The black African sold millions and millions of black African men, women, and children into captivity to slavery. They killed, they shot, they raped, they raided villages and towns okay. and, All right, uh, and sold them out. So the idea that the black African male is supposed to be an exception for you, no. Everybody is born in sin and shape and iniquity. I don't care if you black, white, yellow, or blue. And what you do with your life is what you do with your life. It ain't got nothing to do with white folks. I ain't never leaving white people and go get with black folks to do nothing. Okay, well, that's your, you have that right, that's your opinion. And, uh, you know, but nobody, I think nobody, about nobody, it. yeah, I mean, well, I don't, I don't think about that. I mean, that's your opinion, that's your opinion, you have a right to but that. Well, think about it. You got Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, all these black leaders, move on black, move, yeah. uh, black, live move, all talking about, how many, how many years they've been talking about, oh, we all just got to get together, us got to get together, pool our resources, grow our own tomatoes and watermelons, and we can get together and we can do something. They've been saying this here, I know, at least 30 years. Okay, black conservative, say- black conservative, uh, that's enough of your crying. Uh, the pastor that was on this morning, uh, uh-huh. out of Dallas, Texas, your comments concerning what he talked about. Well, that debacle there in Dallas is absolutely a clown show. Well, I mean, no, 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 no. Listen to me. He's a white pastor now. Yeah. Well, he's right. Black folks don't want to hear the truth, especially if it comes from a white person. Then they cry racism. Well, you don't know the black life. You don't know the black experience. The black experience is on Macklemore and Elvis Presley. That's the well, black well, experience. Well, you must, you must not have heard what the white pastor had to say. Well, no, I didn't hear what he had to okay, say. Okay, well, well, why are you jumping to conclusions that he had, must have said something else? Uh, no, I'm not saying that he said something else. I'm that's that's what I, well, that was my question to you. What did you think about the uh, white pastor that was on this morning as a guest uh, out of Dallas, Texas, and his comments? Well, no, I didn't hear his comments. Okay. I can't comment on that. Okay. But I know that white, when white people... uh, uh point out the social ills and the, and the things that's happening in the black community, we get mad and don't want to listen. We don't want well, to as, as, as a matter of fact, he was he was at the funeral of uh, Bolton uh, in Dallas, Texas, and he had a lot to say, a, a lot of things to say from a white person's perspective as a pastor, how other white churches and other white pastors should get involved and speak out on situations as far as uh uh, the crime that has been committed against black people and against black men in this country. But we are committing crime on against each other every day. What is this madness that white folks got to help a, a black folk act like they mentally retarded? They need somebody to hold their hand, a big brother to come. They act like they subspecies or something. Uh, okay. Like, uh, King, uh, like a Mayor Harrison said, this is a black problem. This ain't no white problem. Okay. White folks don't need to come do nothing. Okay, all right. Well, they they have a right to express, don't you think? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, their comments concerning anything going black on because, but we got black doctors, we black, we have black lawyers, black millionaires, black celebrities. Uh, we got enough people to come together and do whatever they need to do. Okay, all right. We 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 have uh, welcome to the phone line now. Let's go uh, to our 
uh, caller, he has something to say to you. Uh, welcome, uh. They're just not gonna do nothing. Uh, Daniel. Daniel, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Byron. How you doing, Mr. Black, conservative Black? You doing okay today? I'm doing great. Great. Well, let me ask you something. You talk about people, and, I, and I'm very familiar with that area because I happen to try. I'm trying to do my part as a small business owner to build a business exactly in that area that you just spoke of. And those are some of the kindest, generous people. And yeah, there's some issues going on because it's people like yourself that probably more like like to talk about them as opposed to getting with someone like myself or getting them to come together. And let's raise a billion dollars in net worth, not money in their pockets. To hey, change hey, those Daniel, environments. Daniel, slow it down. You got some good stuff to say. Slow it down. A I, bit. I apologize. I'm just slow saying, Black conservative, for you not to want to be willing to challenge to put skin in the game. And for you not to come in here, you talk about people that I know personally, and I see it all. I see it from the pimps to the Johns. I see it to the ladies out there strung out. I see everything, and I also see great neighbors and great people. And you know what they need? They need someone like yourself. If you're going to be critical, put some skin in the game. Challenge me to put skin in the game. Let's raise a billion dollars in net worth to get bring value to the area, not put money in people's pockets, but create an environment where businesses can grow. So where you never in your life will have the audacity to other words about people that are trying their hardest to survive and come up in a situation where if you look at the socioeconomic conditions historically of these areas, it might be a, 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 an agenda that has been uh, perpetuated on them and that they can't come out of. And yeah, you're right. Okay, you Jack the They've been talking talk. about it. And guess step. what? The implementation phase has been lost, and I'll accept full responsibility for that. But for you to come up here and ignorantly not know what you're talking about, speak on it in a way which you're accurate about, not even what the pastor was saying, and we're not even saying that some people were saying we don't need that individual's help, even though I willingly will accept it. Can help is fine. But okay. when it comes to pulling myself up by the bootstraps and the audacity of you to come in here and talk about people in those areas knowing good and well that they're wanting help. That's why they went out there and shut down a bridge. That's why they're trying okay. to get it in. Yet the structure isn't proper, and I'm okay. willing to Daniel. do what I can to help Daniel. that. But you have a lot of gall to come in here and say that stuff and not even Daniel. know what you're talking about, sir. Daniel, Let's raise a billion dollars in. Daniel, hang on, hang on. Uh, give him uh, time here to respond real quick. We only got a minute or so. Black conservative, uh, go ahead. All right, you had your two minutes of fame. Company. You need to all respond, right. sir. We don't have time for all the uh, yeah, chit chat. I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond. He had his two minutes of fame and didn't accomplish nothing. But let me just say this here: uh, Black folks need to help themselves. It's a, a awful infertility over there trying to help them folks on Hollywood and Chelsea. This stuff been going on for almost a hundred years in this area. It ain't never changed. It didn't change back in the nineties when I got back from the military. And it's got, it has even got worse since I even got back over the last 30 years. You're wasting your time with them lazy, irresponsible losers over there who even God has rejected. And ain't nobody going to get together and raise a million dollars to do nothing. They can't even get together to put, they can't even put two, rub two nickels together to do anything. And it's a waste of time. You need white people. You need their technology, their advancement. And you need to learn how to get along with white folks. Because y'all get together like a bunch of uh, crabs in a barrel pulling each other down. You have an van beyond a two-story building over there. So get lost with that stuff. I'm not coming to help y'all do nothing. Okay, Danny, real quick. I said help. I said help. Real quick, me. I Danny, said, hey, Danny, me. Daniel, real quick. We, we've got, yeah. we've got to go. Go ahead. No problem. Yes, sir. Y'all said that's you and me. Forget everyone else. Yeah, yeah, we can all judge and do that. And I say, you and me, let's go out here and let's put something together and make it happen. Because obviously, you're in a position where you can take care of it for yourself. And I think two heads work better than one. So let's come up with a proposal. Let's go out and try to do it on a micro scale and see if we can scale it. And I think we can literally do that with the resources that I know I have and what I hope that you have based upon how you're so quick to criticize people that you claim don't want to do anything. And you are absolutely incorrect because I'm in the area with these people. But forget them. Let you and I do it. Are you down or not? 
You want uh, to ch- call black, that crab in a barrel? Let's bust the barrel. Black, black conservative, are you are you down with what he's talking about? You down to bust the barrel? No, I am not. Y'all had affirmative action. You get food stamps, welfare, and you sell. I'm not interested in helping y'all do nothing. You got programs. Democrats give you programs. If that don't help you people, I don't give a rat tail if you get washed in the Mississippi River. I'm not coming to help you do nothing. Okay, well, why are you complaining all the time? Because. Because what? I mean, you, 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 you want, you sound like you want things to change, but you don't want to be a part of the, you don't want to be a part of the solution. Look, I told are you, you, are you, ago. are you, are you one of those people that just want to walk around town with a pacifier in their mouth and a, a bottle of milk in the other hand and just complain about everything you see? Or you want to get into it and grow up and be a part of the solution? No, the black man needs to stop running around like he's mentally retarded and needs some assistance, somebody to carry him by the hand, big brother all the time to come and rescue him. Do something for yourself. Uh, embrace the concept of the individual, personal responsibility. You had affirmative action. You didn't go to school to learn nothing. You got free stuff. You didn't do nothing with that. You got a uh, work release program. President okay. Trump is doing more for the black community, and y'all up against him. So okay. So, ev- so, 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 uh, evidently, black conservative seems like uh, you're not willing to get involved at all in the black community. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, you really don't have anything else to say. If you're not going to get involved or you don't want to see things change and, uh, you don't want to be able, you, you don't want to be a part of the solution. So, Bob, so what's, 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 what, what do you, what do you have to say? Bob, look, the Bible says if a man don't take care of his own home, he works in the infidel. Well, I got to get him, well, I got to get involved with something else with some other black folks. I got a family to take care of and other things to do. I ain't got time to go down and help Lou Ruki and Lou Buku and Shabika. Well, you getting involved by complaining about what's going on. We assume that you may have some answers or something no. that can help the community if you always have a complaint. So this no, is, this is, folks, the reason I, if you have time, if you have, if you have time to say something and run your big mouth and complain about everything and, or, or maybe you need to leave that alone and take care of your family. Well, maybe black people need to stop. You know, it's easy for black people to criticize white people, call them racist, and talk about this. And then when people address what's going on under y'all back in y'all backyard, then y'all yeah. want to act like somebody against y'all. Okay. Uh, all of y'all don't. All y'all together wouldn't come up with the IQ of sixty. <laughs> so why would I even? Okay. Come all right. Help, black help conservative. Uh, they all got bad credit, Bobby. They didn't. Black have conservative. They didn't uh, have business. Maybe, maybe you need, you've been sniffing too much of that stuff you're serving out there and spraying around people's homes and things like, maybe you've been sniffing too much of that. Alright, let's get out of here. And Daniel, thanks for the call. And, <laughs> uh, what, what, what has Trump done for the black community? Jay Word says, uh, what does he mean you people? Is he not one of us? No! <laughs> Let him tell it uh, anyway, Jay. Charlie Caswell, thanks for joining all of you by Facebook. Hey, we're going to come back after this and joining us next. Thanks for the phone calls, by the way. Joining us uh, next, Justice Bowden and Evan Duvall, contributors to TalkBackLive, Network.org. 
They have a lot of things to say about the Tiger program and uh, oh, all kinds of stuff. We're going to be back with them coming up at 9.50. It is a uh, former Memphis quarterback for the Memphis Tigers that left here a couple of weeks ago. And he's with the Garden City Community College. Now we'll be talking to David Moore. David Moore at the 9.50 hour. You're listening to Talk Back Live with Bob and John. AM 7.30. We'll be back after this. It is 9.25. For the best soul food in the Mid-South, it's Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd, 901-946-4303. Serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and some of the items on their menu consist of catfish, spaghetti, chicken and dressing, turkey wings, meatloaf, fried chicken, cabbage, yams, greens, salmon croquette, and the list goes on. Some of the best soul food you ever taste in the Mid-South, it is Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd, call them again at 901-946-4303, been in business since 1991. Shop and Save, 1499 South 3rd, 901-946-4303 for some of the best soul food you'll ever taste. In life, we all want to be treated with dignity and respect. At E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, located 3390 Elvis Presley Boulevard, we believe the same thing should hold true when it comes to death. Telephone number is 345-9558. For more than 30 years, Ed Ford has offered the personal touch when it comes to the passing of the special people in your life. As a licensed funeral director, embalmer, and death counselor, Ed Ford will be involved in every phase of the bereavement process when it comes to your loved one. In other words, he won't just sit behind a desk and collect your money like other funeral directors. His main purpose is to personally prepare your loved one for whatever memorial service you desire. His services and prices are the very best in Memphis and the surrounding area. At E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, it's not about the money, it's about a lasting memory. Ed Ford, his wife Myrna, and the courteous staff will be there when you really need them. That's E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, located 3390 Elvis Presley Boulevard. The telephone number again, 345-9558. Not associated with any other funeral home with the same last name. That's E.H. Ford Mortuary Services. Are you looking for a good, honest mechanic? Well, you have found one. Hi, my name is Marcus Williams, owner of Automotive Repair for Less, offering you lesser rates for your automobile repairs. We do major and minor work replacing engines, transmissions, tune-ups, brakes, and almost anything you need in automotive repair. I'm located at 2975 James Road in between Wharf and Hollywood on top of the overpass bridge. My number is 901-859-6169. That is again, 901-859-6169. Hopefully I'll hear from you. Automotive Repair for Less. CJU's Appliances, located at 3530 Jackson Avenue here in Memphis, Tennessee. Call them at 901-487-7882. 
CJU Supplies has the best prices in town, sales and service, heating and air, also the best appliances you'll find anywhere in the Mid-South. Refrigerators, uh, microwave stoves, washers and dryers, deep freezers, dishwashers, whatever you need in used appliances. And folks, I'm telling you, they're the best used appliances anywhere you'll find. That's CJ Used Appliances, 3530 Jackson Avenue. All appliances come with warranty. You can call them at 901-487-7882. Again, 901-487-7882. CJ Used Appliances. This is Sergeant Chris Richardson of the Tennessee Highway Patrol reminding all motorists that texting and driving is prohibited by law in Tennessee. Anytime a driver is distracted and takes his eyes off the road or his hands off the wheel, it is unsafe. Texting is the most alarming distraction of all, and our youngest drivers are most at risk. Please commit to distracted-free driving today. It can save lives, maybe even your own. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Patrol. For the best soul food in the Mid-South, it's Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd, 901-946-4303. Serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And some of the items on their menu consist of catfish, spaghetti, chicken and dressing, turkey wings, meatloaf, fried chicken, cabbage, yams, greens, salmon croquette, and the list goes on. Some of the best soul food you ever taste in the Mid-South, it is Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd. Call them again at 901-946-4303. Been in business since 1991. Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd. 901-946-4303. For some of the best soul food you'll ever taste. Welcome back to the show, Talk Back Live with Bob and Josh. It is now 9.32, 32 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock, and a very pleasant good morning to you on a Tuesday morning. Yes, mostly sunny skies, 75 degrees. Oh, yes, beautiful day today. Ah, uh, well, reaching a high of about 90 degrees or somewhere around there. Uh, another check of... Weather coming up, 
and uh, our special guest is uh, on the phone, and they're they're ready to go. So I tell you what, uh, uh, do we gonna do a what a break here or what, Josh? Okay, let's do a what a break here and go to News Channel 3's meteorologist and weather expert Austin Anik with his accurate and dependable weather forecast. Cooler weather in here, but that's not happening anytime soon. Your hot forecast from the News Channel 3 Weather Center. Sunny and hot today. Highs in the lower 90s. Mostly clear tonight. Lows back in the lower to mid 70s. Sunny and hot for Wednesday. High temperatures back in the lower to mid 90s. Southeast winds continue about 5 to 10 miles an hour. Mostly clear Wednesday night. Lows back in the mid 70s. Guess what's going to happen on Thursday? Yep, you're right. Mostly sunny and hot. Hey, very good. You've been paying attention. High temperatures again back in the mid-90s Thursday. Partly cloudy Thursday night. Lows in the mid-70s. Still hot on Friday. No big change for the last day of summer. Stray showers and thunderstorms possible. Could be a problem for Friday night football. Highs on Friday in the lower 90s. Shower and thunderstorm chances isolated but possible Friday night into Saturday. Lows in the lower 70s. And into the weekend, some better chances of showers and thunderstorms both days of the weekend. High temperatures back in the lower to mid 80s. So a little bit of a change on temperatures in the next few days as we go into the first couple of days of autumn. That'll wrap it up for your complete forecast edition from WREG TV News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Austin Onyx. Stay tuned for much more coming up with Bob and Josh on Talk Back Live. Welcome back to the show. Talk back live with Bob. And Jeff. 934, 34 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock Central Time. A very pleasant good morning to you on a Tuesday morning. Our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, contributors to Talk Back Live Network.org. And among other things, these guys are, are putting their hands and everything into and contributing in a, a, a lot of other places around the country. And we're glad that they're here with us this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Justice Bolden and Evan Devald. Guys, welcome to the show. Good, good morning. Bob and Josh, good morning. You good. have to expect things of yourself before you can do them. Yes, All right. sir. Yes, sir. And Evan, what's good, man? Pretty good. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing well. Doing well. Glad to have you guys on. And uh, let's get it started. Definitely, definitely, man. A lot to talk about here. Got David Moore coming up in about 25 minutes, so we're going to try to get to it here, um, what we can at least. Um, first off, uh, the Memphis football game, uh, Georgia State, you know, went like we thought it would. I think most people expect it. Um, you know, just any takeaways. Uh, Evan, what did you think um, watching the game? What would you take away from it? Well, they bounced back. Uh the way that we hope they would uh, from a tough loss against Navy, a game that uh, a lot of people around the city thought they should have won. Uh, you had uh, Brady White who came out 19 of 26, 269 yards with 
five touchdowns again. Um, you had Darrell Henderson come in, 14 carries, 233 yards, two touchdowns, almost 17 yards per carry. And you had uh, your leading receiver, DeMonte Coxie, with six receptions, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. So a lot of your playmakers came out and bounced back from a tough loss. And that's usually what you want to see after a loss. Uh, it was total domination against a team that you're far more superior uh, than. Uh, so we got what we needed to see out of the University of Memphis. Uh, you have another one coming up against South Alabama this upcoming week. Uh, and then you, you have a, a should-be-harder, tough uh, road game at Tulane. So Friday night, you had a decent crowd for a Friday night. I, I think we saw what we need to see in a bounce-back game, even though the competition isn't where we would like to see it at. Uh, you, you have to like what you saw in we're waiting on after South Alabama, uh, you have the Tulane game and UConn. Then you get into the heart of the side of your schedule. It's just the second part of your of your schedule. After the first six games, the schedule gets much harder. I'm going to tell you, Memphis made sure they loaded this front front of the schedule up with some some, some pillows, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not knocking it. You know I mean? You get your, get your record right, you know what I'm saying? Um, you play the easy teams in the conference. And just some, some, some easy teams, period. I saw South Alabama. Uh, Memphis is a, I think, 29 point favorite now. I think it went up, uh, from a couple of days ago. So that's definitely, uh, should be a win right there. Uh, Justice, what, what did you think, man, uh, about that game? Well, I, I think we continue to see that, uh, Daryl Henderson is one of the best backs in, in the nation. Uh, we're talking about a guy right now. That out not only leads the nation in, uh, total, uh, rushing yards, but also, uh, yards per carry. And, uh, you know, he, he continued to be great. But Brady White, he looked more comfortable in this game. I think what we're seeing is, uh, he may be a little bit better than what he showed early on, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, being able to pass the ball. Uh, he made a nice throw early. That first touchdown in the back of the end zone to Tony Pollard. I was impressed by that pass. And not only that, but Tyler's ability to go up and get the ball. Uh, he, he really yeah, was the winning guy. But mm-hmm. you look at it, Kenny Gainwell, uh, two rush, two rushes, 80 yards. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's guys all over the, the field that are, that are making impact. And, uh, I think this could carry over some where, uh, the Tigers are taking on Tulane and some other opponents and, uh, <laughs> if the conditions are, are fair when in terms of weather, I think they're going to put up a ton of points. Yeah. You know, especially this. South Alabama game should be a track meet. And I'm going to tell you, I was glad to see, uh, DeMonte Coxie, uh, get going because I really feel like he can be the next leading receiver, uh, for this team. You know, he's got the size and athleticism, made an outstanding catch. Um, I think it was at a first down or something where the ball was thrown behind him and he stopped it, almost did like a, um, matrix move to catch the ball behind him, uh, while jumping in the air. It was pretty crazy. Uh, he was running in one direction, jumped back the other direction uh, to catch the ball. Um, you know, and he had a big game. I think he led the team in receiving in that game as well. So, you know, you see what you need to see. Henderson's leading the nation in rushing, like Justice said, with far less carries than even the second place back uh, in the nation. I think 20 less carries. Uh, so maybe you almost wonder, should Henderson get the ball more? Um, Evan, do you think he should get the ball more? Than what he's he's gotten already, even though he's putting up huge numbers. Right now, I would say no because you don't want to risk injuries, especially in the cupcake games that we have so far in the South Alabama game, which would be a walkthrough. And you got UConn coming up uh, in a couple of games that would be a walkthrough. So, 
I mean, if you can win convincingly without killing your star running back, I would do so. Um, but, you know, when you come up against Missouri, when you come up against Central Florida, when you come against a Houston team who is much improved, they're going to start stacking the box because we haven't seen Brady White just kill a team downfield yet. And those are some hard-hitting teams. So if you can kind of spread the, the wealth out in a running game and still get productivity, I say you could probably add an extra three or four carries in, but let's not get them to 25, 30 carries because if that's when you start wearing them down, you can risk injuries, especially against the teams we're coming up against now. Uh, this is an NFL caliber player, man. You want to make sure you keep him healthy. And and don't kill him if you're getting blowout wins right now. Mm-hmm. And our guest, Justice Bolden and Eric Evan, I almost, almost said Eric, Evan Duvall, uh, their contributors to TalkbackLiveNetwork.org and among other things. Guys, uh, the game uh, this past Saturday, as, uh, and I, I took a look at the game, watched uh, and see what the, uh, the Tigers would do. Is this, first of all, a bounce back? For the Tigers, or is this what they were should have? Is this what they were supposed to do in the first place? All right. The next thing is uh, Brady White. Uh, this was a an outstanding showing by Brady White, or, or I mean, uh, what, is that his name? Yeah. Am I, uh-huh. Brady White, yeah. or was it uh, an average showing? Or uh, because I mean, you know, if you say, okay, well, wow. Uh, the, uh, coach made a outstanding, uh, choice when he chose Brady White because see what he did the other day. Wow, man. He completed these passes with so many yards and did this and that. Uh, but did he do that because of he's, he's his excellent, uh, play and ability to perform as a quarterback and that the coach made the right decision here or is it that he had gifted people around him, and if someone else uh, or if I or you may have been out there, we would have, with all that talent around us, maybe we should have, may have been able to throw some balls and yeah, yeah. things around the field and uh, uh, make some things happen with all of that talent, guys. Yeah. So uh, let, let me yeah. let me let me bounce off that, and I'm, I'm gonna let y'all piggyback off what I got to say on this. Yeah. Um. So to me. I think I think Evan kind of alluded to it. Is when you play the tougher teams, right? You're going to have UCF, who looks like they're just as good, right? At least from what I've seen. Um, you got Missouri, an SEC school, um, a guy that used to be the you know coach here in Memphis and has a lot of reasons why he wants to whoop Memphis. Um, you know, so hmm. those tougher games coming up, right? That's where I'm. We'll see what Brady White has. Because I, I feel like to me these games are really not going to show me anything. If you're any quarterback worth your salt, you should do what he did against those teams, especially at the level that Memphis is expected to be at right now. This isn't Memphis with the expectations that they had, you know, after the Tommy West era. You know, where you if you win three games, you're happy. This, oh, this is this this is a Memphis team that won eleven games, only lost two games last year, and you're expected to be great. So you know, like I said, he was expected to do that. Okay. But I still see some deficiencies where if we play better teams, it's going to be a problem. Now, So uh, are you saying, Josh, this doesn't justify the decision that was made? I mean, that's a whole other thing. But I'm, I'm okay, all right. Let, let, yeah, let, uh, let the experts talk in here. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, either one of you guys, uh, Evan, Justice. Uh, I'll take it. Okay, okay. Go, ahead, go ahead, man. Well, first off, I'd say the verdict is still out. Uh, also. 
because the, the wake of schedule is. But there's a lot of teams around the country that will play uh, soft opponents early. True. And there's some that, you know, will will, will play a tough opponent. And, you know, it, oftentimes it depends on the conference. Trend. And I'm not sure if Memphis, you know, beating Ole Miss uh, or beating UCLA has impacted their ability to be able to get uh, non-conference games. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I'll say this. When you look around the country, uh, Memphis has a top five offense. I think when they're playing well, I think they're going to score. And we, and we saw that throughout, uh, you know, the last four or five seasons. So I, I don't think it's going to be too much different in that respect. But ultimately, when they play the tougher teams in the American Athletic Conference that are on their schedule, uh, of course, we, we saw them against Navy. Uh, but, you know, Houston, they're, they're down the road, UCF. That's ultimately going to determine whether this was the right decision or not. Now, what these games do, uh, they allow you to be able to build your confidence, work on your reads, mm-hmm. and uh, gain some familiarity with some of your favorite targets. That's so, true. And that's why mm-hmm. we're seeing Kofi and, and guys like that really really make plays. But uh, I think the Tigers' offense is balanced because they got at least two, three running backs who can run the ball. they got three or four guys who can catch. So, yeah. He's got a ton of talent at his disposal. At the end of the day, all he's got to be able to do is really manage the game. If Brady White can do that, then he's going to be effective. But I think Mike Govell is a smart man. I think he wants to win. And, uh, you know, we'll find out toward the end of the season, uh, you know, if he made the right decision by sticking with White. Because ultimately, if they can go 9-3, and 10-2, then uh, I think the decision will be justified. Definitely. we got a few okay. minutes before uh, yeah, David Moore comes on. Uh, Evan, what, what's the you, man? Well, as, as far as the schedule, uh, there was some uh, upset people around the city with the home schedule. And here's the thing. The athletic director and the University of Memphis just came on agreement to do one Power 5 game per year. If you look on the schedule next year, they have Ole Miss coming here, and the year after that, they go at Purdue. So it'll be another week home schedule. Mm. It's ways around that. You have four non-conference games. Uh, you can do another top-tier, non-Power 5 school like at a BYU and bring Missouri here, and you have two bye games. Or you you have, at Missouri this year, you could have brought a BYU here. You could have tried to schedule with a UNLV TCU. So it was ways around those kind of games that you could still give your fans the type of games they want to see outside of South Alabama. Uh, But as far as the production yeah, we have good production right now because we haven't played a lot of real talent. So it's kind of hard to kind of tell what kind of quarterback we'll have against a UCF or Missouri. It's kind of hard to tell how the running game will respond when you have eight in the box and uh, linebackers have just as much speed because the ACC is built off of speed and power all together. Mm-hmm. So I really can't make a call on it right now. I mean, those numbers can kind of be padded because of the competition. I'm just going to be honest with you. And that's no shot at the University of Memphis. It's just being honest. And what I tell a lot of people is a lot of guys come around here, they get invested to being Memphis fans. Our job is to come on the radio and write and just tell the truth. Yeah. And my opinion is right now it's hard for me to get a gauge on this team because of the competition. This team could come out and put up 50 against Central Florida, or they can get smacked in the mouth, go down 23-21-0, and don't know how to respond. That's why it's so intriguing to see how they will play when we play against the tougher end of the schedule. And it's coming up in the next two or three weeks. And I'm going to tell okay. you something. Very last year, okay. if, if that Memphis team last year, and I know it was at Central Florida, different atmosphere, but if that Memphis team last year could get smacked by Central Florida last year, 
this Memphis team can definitely get smacked. <laughs> by well, well, let, now, let, let me say this though, Josh. Yeah, okay. let, let me say this, Josh. All right. When they went to Orlando, it was terrible circumstances. If you remember, the hurricane had pushed the game back two, three weeks. They had to do it. I remember. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it was horrible conditions. If you remember in the AFC, AAC title game, excuse me, mm. Memphis should have won that game. A yes. lot of people question Mike Norvell play calling with throwing the ball. He should have just kept pounding in with Henderson right. and uh, Pollard, and we would have won the game in regulation. They couldn't stop the run game. We wore them down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they got killed, but I got to give them the circumstances on that. That was just – they really should have never played the game, but it was a money mm-hmm. game for UCL. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. All right, and guys, hey, uh, we're going to have to leave it right there, and it's been a pleasure right. and that, to have you. That, ju- that, yes. That's still going to be with us. Uh, uh, okay. We'll come okay. back from the break. Well, yeah. uh, yeah. Okay, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that yeah. during the break. Okay, okay, guys, hang on just a minute, and uh, we'll be back uh, after this. Uh, you're listening to Talk Back Live with Bob. And Josh. And coming up next, uh, the quarterback, former quarterback, University of Memphis, and now a quarterback with great, uh, Garden City Community College, Josh, uh, who is he? David Moore. David Moore will be joining us after the break. You're listening to Talk Back Live with Bob. And Josh. It is now 9.49, 49 minutes past the hour, 9 o'clock. A very pleasant good morning to you on a Tuesday morning. We'll be back. This is Sergeant Chris Richardson of the Tennessee Highway Patrol reminding all motorists that texting and driving is prohibited by law in Tennessee. Anytime a driver is distracted and takes his eyes off the road or his hands off the wheel, it is unsafe. Texting is the most alarming distraction of all, and our youngest drivers are most at risk. Please commit to distracted-free driving today. It can save lives, maybe even your own. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Patrol. the best soul food in the Mid-South is Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd 901-946-4303 Serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner and some of the items on their menu consist of catfish, spaghetti, chicken and dressing, turkey wings, meatloaf, fried chicken, cabbage, yams, greens, salmon croquette, and the list goes on. Some of the best soul food you ever taste in the Mid-South it is Shop and Save, 1499 South 3rd. Call them again at 901-946-4303. Been in business since 1991. Shop and Save, 1499 South 3rd, 901-946-4303 for some of the best soul food you'll ever taste. CJU's Appliances, located at 3530 Jackson Avenue here in Memphis, Tennessee. Call them at 901-487-7882. CJU's Appliances have the best prices in town, sales and service, heating and air. Also, the best appliances you'll find anywhere in the Mid-South. Refrigerators, uh, microwave stoves, washers and dryers, deep freezers, dishwashers, whatever you need. In used appliances, and folks, I'm telling you, they're the best used appliances anywhere you'll find. 
That's TKU Supplies. It's 3530 Jackson Avenue. All appliances come with warranty. You can call them at 901-487-7882. Again, 901-487-7882. TKU Appliances. In life, we all want to be treated with dignity and respect. At E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, located 3390 Elvis Presley Boulevard, we believe the same thing should hold true when it comes to death. Telephone number is 345-9558. For more than 30 years, Ed Ford has offered the personal touch when it comes to the passing of the special people in your life. As a licensed funeral director, embalmer, and death counselor, Ed Ford will be involved in every phase of the bereavement process when it comes to your loved one. In other words, he won't just sit behind a desk and collect your money like other funeral directors. His main purpose is to personally prepare your loved one for whatever memorial service you desire. His services and prices are the very best in Memphis and the surrounding area. At E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, it's not about the money, it's about a lasting memory. Ed Ford, his wife Myrna, and the courteous staff will be there when you really need them. That's E.H. Ford Mortuary Services, located 3390 Elvis Presley Boulevard. The telephone number again, 345-9558. Not associated with any other funeral home with the same last name. That's E.H. Ford Mortuary Services. All right, and welcome back to the show, Talk Back Live with Bob. And Josh. It is now 9.54, 54 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock Central Time. And a very pleasant good morning to you. And ladies and gentlemen, our next guest, he is a fighter. Yes, indeed. He is a former uh, quarterback for the Memphis uh, Tigers, and now he's quarterbacking at Garden City Community College. And we're glad and honored to have him on our show today, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Moore. David, welcome to the show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, man. I, we had to play that song about you being a fighter. Have you talked? Have you thought <laughs> about maybe? I mean, you're a fighter where you are, but have you thought about maybe one day you can get in the ring too, man? I don't know. I don't just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me, me and my friends box a lot sometimes, but you know, I never thought about it. But I definitely think of myself as a fighter for sure. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe we can see you in Creed two or three. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sure. definitely, man. But uh, how's it going for you right there at Garden City? You know, it's going well. I mean, it definitely has taken me a little while to get acclimated to junior college life. It's a lot different, you know, living out here in Kansas and stuff. The weather's different, uh, people different, everything. But, you know, I'm here for a reason, and, and just staying focused is my main goal. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask you, man, did you ever see yourself, um, was, was it a thought to ever um, go JUCO, or did, did, it, did the whole option just kind of come real fast like how did that come about well i mean uh, i had junior colleges reach out to me uh going into fall camp and stuff but i always just brushed them off and i just told them to talk to my parents because i was just focused on trying to win the the memphis starting job and so it was nothing i really ever thought of i really didn't even know anything about jucos or the only juco i really even knew about was like emcc 
or something like that, yeah. or from independence from Last Chance U. But I, I didn't really know anything about you, Coach. The whole thing really did happen very fast. Oh, so, okay. How important to you was winning uh, the Memphis job? Because you know this it's been a storyline in the media for a long time, all the way really up until the week of the game. Uh, how, how important was that to you, uh, that job, or, or and how much did you did you put into that? Was it? I mean, it, it it meant everything to me. It was it was what I had been working for ever since I I got to campus when I was seventeen, and I mean it was really it was really heartbreaking for me, honestly, that it came down to to what it did, uh, the decision that I had to make. I mean, you anybody who knows me or who was around me knows that. I gave everything, every single day that I was there, and uh, I mean, I definitely appreciated the opportunity. But I mean, it was definitely something that was that was very hard. It was a hard pill to swallow for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, let one of the guys uh, ask a question. Got uh, Evan here. Evan, uh, go ahead and ask uh, David a question. Yeah, uh, Evan, welcome back. Hey, uh, David, appreciate you coming on to the show, man. Um, I'm just going to ask you. Uh, you're at Garden City now. Uh, break down to us. What are your goals that you want to accomplish at Garden City? You're transferring from a Division One school, going JUCO. Uh, what are some of the goals that you are setting out for yourself to accomplish while you're there at Garden City this year? First off, uh, in JUCO, you gotta you know, be a little bit selfish. So I'm, I'm definitely trying to get myself prepared for the next level as as best as possible and uh, get recruited and that sort of thing. Obviously, but very close second is. I've got a bond with these guys out here. You know, it, it's a struggle for sure. And so we've gotten close pretty fast. And, you know, we have, we play the number two team in the country this weekend. And after that, our schedule is looking a lot less lighter. And we, we have, we'll have a chance to play for a national championship. And so winning the national championship here and just proving myself as a winner and, uh, you know, just, just really expelling all the, the issues people might have, uh, about me. Is you know is really just proving myself is is my biggest goal here. Definitely, and uh, mm-hmm. Justice, uh, welcome back, man. Um, what question do you have for for mm-hmm. uh, for David? Well, well, David, also I wanted to thank you for joining us today. And can you take us back uh, through the spring uh, when, when you were at Memphis and uh, just talk a bit about the quarter quarterback battle, and then just take us right up to. You know, when you found out the decision and, you know, how, how that whole process worked, um, if you could. Well, so in the spring, you know, it was me, my best friend, Brady Davis, and then obviously Brady White transferred in. And, uh, you know, it, from the beginning, we were all splitting reps and stuff like that. Uh, I had actually tore my meniscus in spring, and so it was a little bit harder for me to – uh, to to play at the level that I wanted to, so I don't feel like I had a great spring. I feel like I did all right for myself, but uh, going going out of spring, they said that uh, they told me that it was an open competition and stuff, but that Brady White was ahead of me. So going into the summer, uh, I was just worked it hard to get healthy. I didn't even work out with the team for the whole first half of the summer, just rehabbing my knee and stuff. And uh, once I got that healthy, you know, the second part of the summer, uh, got got back healthy, and and you know, they they told me about the biggest thing for me was just you know trying to uh, get the little the little nuances of the offense down better, and so 
I spent a lot of time with uh, Coach Dillingham, just learning uh, that part of the game and stuff, especially while I was uh, injured. And so coming into fall camp, I, I had the uh, – and I felt like I knew the offense really well. And uh, I felt like I was playing at a high level. There were some things that the coaching staff still wanted to see from me, still wanted to see me do better at. And uh, same with Brady. But, um, I mean, it just – he just – like he he just kept coming out on top on on uh in the coach's eyes, you know, mostly in everything we did and so uh so once it came down to uh, about time for the season and stuff, um my family wanted to have a conversation with me about, you know, where I, I felt I was and stuff and so I went and I, I, I spoke with the coaches. Well, I spoke with Coach Dillingham and he let me know that he felt like he had outplayed me to this point, but that Coach Ravel hadn't made a decision yet or anything like that, but that they would probably be leaning towards Brady. And so um, I talked to my family again and stuff, and, and you know, obviously Coach Ravel would, would love to have had both of us there, but I didn't feel like they had any intention of playing me. And so with that knowledge, uh Unfortunately, like it would be the best for myself and my career to move on and, and and try to find a new home where I could I could play at. Yeah, definitely. And how important is uh, so? I'm, I'm guessing with what you're saying, it's important to play, you know, and, and that you didn't want to, you know, because I know you've been at Memphis already and you want to showcase your ability. I'd imagine uh, somewhere. And uh, is it your plan to get right back into Division One right now, or are you just focused with what's going on at Garden City? Uh, I'm I'm gonna play this season at Garden City and, and graduate in December, and then I'm gonna sign in December to uh, another Division One and be there in January. Oh, good for you, good for you. You know, sure. if, if I you know went somewhere to play, and my intention uh, was to play too, I guess I would want to. You know, you, you, I mean, you know, I may not be as good as you are right now. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, anyway. Hey, let me ask you this, uh, 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 David. It, it, did you play the, for a quarterback in high school as well? Uh, yes, sir. I, I played quarterback my whole life. Okay. Alright. Good. And, and matter of fact, describe the type of player you are, cause I know you hear from yeah. other folks about what you are, but tell people uh-huh. what, what is David Moore uh, as a quarterback? What do, what do you bring to the table mm-hmm. and you feel like you could bring to any team you're on? Well, firstly, I feel like uh, I'm a pocket passer that's a capable runner as well. I feel like I can stretch the defense vertically, beat man coverage with my arm, and I can also be very accurate, intermediate, deep balls. And uh, when plays break down or if it's a designed quarterback run, then I can beat the defense with my legs as well. Uh, I like to compare myself. Obviously, I'm not on his level yet, but it's something that I'm striving to. And I, I would like to think of myself in, the, in his mold of Deshaun Watson, just in terms of how he's not, you know, a Lamar Jackson. You know, he's a he's a passer first, but he's a creative football and a uh, big arm, accurate, and uh, you know, he's a winner as well. So, so those are. All qualities that I've, I would like to compare myself to. Definitely, and um, 
Evan, uh, you got um, another question that you want to ask for David there? Yeah, we will let the people know. Yeah. By the way, I'm on the way here, who we're talking to in our special guest this morning. He is uh, quarterback now at Garden City Community College, formerly a Memphis Tiger uh, quarterback uh, recently, uh, Mr. David Moore, and we're glad to have him on. Go ahead, uh, uh, Evan, uh, with your question. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, yeah, David. Um, I saw yesterday uh, you retweeted um, uh, one of the Twitter accounts for Junior College Sports. Uh, just brought you in saying that you were one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks in the junior college ranks. And I saw a couple of your teammates, like the Blunty Carty, uh, retweet you and, you know, pump you up and tell you, you know, they're looking forward to seeing what you're going to do on the field. Kind of talk about the relationship you still have with the Memphis guys in their locker room, your former teammates, and it did the relationship you have with those guys kind of make it hard for you to transfer? I mean, you're going to get me emotional right now, honestly, but, <laughs> I mean, they're my best friends. You know, I love them like my brothers. I can still call any of them right now. If I ever needed anything, if I was ever hurting or something, they would always be there for me. I, uh, we, we have a very special bond, and they're – you know, I, I love them and wish nothing but the best from them, and, and they want to see me be successful as well because, you know, they they understand the bond and and they they understand what type of player I am as well. And so, they just, you know, we're it's very special. And no matter where I go, the rest of my life, those guys, wherever they go, they're we're always going to be family without a doubt. Definitely, it, it made it. It, it, it made, that was that was the hardest part. Of, of everything, you know, when I had to tell those guys that I wasn't going to be there in the day I didn't show up to practice and stuff, and it was it was all extremely hard and it weighed on me a lot, and I didn't take this decision lightly at all. A, a lot of people say that I I quit the team or I quit or something like that, but uh, if if you ask any of my teammates, none of them feel that way, and. They understand what was going on and, and my situation, and um, yeah, I'm not too worried about what people think about me because uh, they don't control anything in my life. But um, you know, the the hardest part was definitely leaving my brother, and I still think about them every day. All right, yeah, man. You know, um, you yeah. know, yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, David uh, Moore. Uh, this is Bob. Hey, look. Uh, you you name some things that you do. You do well. Uh, you throw the football with accuracy. I can attest to that. You throw. You're able to throw well down the field. You can throw short passes, and you can run the football as well. Uh, what what made you decide, or did you ever decide this uh, that you could run the football as a quarterback? Uh, and what made you start this? Was it somebody? Big coming through the line one day, and you just decided that, hey, man, if I don't have running ability, I better learn it now. What? Yeah, <laughs> they, I what? mean, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, growing up, just playing different sports and, and stuff. I mean, I've I've been an athletic kid. I mean, I wasn't when I was growing up. I was kind of uh, awkward, like gumpy a little bit. I was tall and skinny. I was real tall in, in middle school and stuff. Mm-hmm. But and, and so, like during those times, is where I. I learned how to throw and throw the ball well, and because I really just I, I wasn't really there athletically yet, and so then once I grew into my body and became athletic and, and started lifting and working out and you know running and stuff, and you know that's just 
something that just became a part of the game. You know, it's not something that you really like think about too much or mm-hmm. or coach. It's just really like you know you have that ability. So I mean, if if the pocket is breaking down mm-hmm. or if it's a design run, then you, you might as well might as well use it. So it just it just something that uh, you just decided to, it just came to you. Just hey, this is yes, what I do. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. It was just something that was just like, okay, I have this ability. I, I, I'm I'm fast, and I might as well use it on the football field as well. All right. And, and David, yeah. man, I'm, I'm gonna get to justice. I know he's got one more, but I want want to ask you one thing. One thing that I noticed um, is that the support, not just when you talked about. Um, you know, the, the camaraderie with the teammates in Memphis currently. But I noticed, uh, the class of quarterbacks, it seemed like y'all stick together pretty well as well with, uh, I remember when Brady uh, Davis was here and Riley Ferguson. I'd see a lot of y'all, you know, taking pictures together and things of that nature. I believe it's still on your Twitter as well. Uh, with those guys, yeah. you, you, you've, um, showed your support for Brady Davis, who's another quarterback that transferred to another community college and I believe had player of the week, uh, as well. Uh, where he right. said, but talk about that relationship um, that that built there. Yeah, so basically, Brady Davis is my best friend. Like, really, him and Sean Dykes are my best friends. Like, in the whole world, other than my little brother, uh, love that guy. You know, when I came in, he took me under his wing, and and me and Brady were more so of like friends. You know what I mean? Like, we hung out a lot and stuff. And Riley was always around us and stuff. But Riley was more of like a big brother, kind of like guiding us and stuff. Yeah. And and then it really took you know me and Brady backing him up last year, and you know we learned a lot from him. And uh, he's somebody that I can still rely on today to talk to. You know, he's been through hard times as well. He went to JUCO too and and made it out. And I still talk to Brady every day. I mean, yeah, those guys to me. Um, yeah, they're 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 great people and uh, extremely talented individuals in their own rights, and we all we all have a lot in common, and so you know we're we're always going to stick together. I don't, I don't think that'll ever change. And and re- real quick, um, uh, just want to let uh, well, go ahead, go ahead. yeah, uh, we I know the David. You probably have to. Well, to I, and leave. I got one more question yeah, know, just before you leave. I, then yeah. I have a. Uh, a comment. You, you know, let, let, let me say this, uh, David. You're more, uh, probably recognized and known and loved around here than you probably know. We have people on, uh, Facebook. I want to ask some questions in and get it in to you. Uh, now, do, do you uh, know or have you known a, or were you friends? Uh, somebody's asking here, Timothy Taylor? Yeah, who's a freshman running back. Oh, uh, yeah, Tim Taylor, of course. Yeah, I love him. That's, that's my little brother too. He, he has a bright future ahead of him, you know. And Patrick are there right now, but he's done a great job of being patient and, and working hard, and it's going to pay off for him. It's going to it's going to do dividends. He's going to he's going to be great for sure. Yeah, right. for sure. The funny thing, you're already seeing flashes from him yeah. uh, when he gets in. There's so many backs uh, that they oh, have. Yeah. When he gets in, he, you could definitely see the talent. Uh, I'm going to let Justice uh, know you got a question uh, there for him. Well, David, I, I know we're getting getting down to the the end here, but uh, just talking to you, uh, you're very articulate and, uh, you know, seem to be the type of, uh, leader that, uh, you know, other players will follow. What did you learn, uh, during your time at Memphis, both on and off the field that you feel will help, uh, benefit you moving forward? You know, I think, uh, you know, 
credit to Coach Norvell for this. You know, I came in to college. I was I was pretty immature, you know, not in terms of like making bad decisions, just like emotionally, you know, I would I would let things bother me and I would get down or get upset and get angry and stuff and and you know, I a pretty you know uh I I got a pretty big personality and so uh you know, it could rub people the wrong way if I was being immature. And so I just really learned to you, you can't but anything until they see you work, so you know, just going forward in, into my new D1 uh, next year, um, I'm going to just go in. Obviously, I'm going to be going in expecting to play. And so I'm just going to go in with my head and show people how I work. And, and that's how you that's how you develop into a leadership role and, and just in yourself and not trying to be somebody else or try to, you know, force the issue. Just, just letting the role come naturally, kind of just like what I did here at Garden City, too. All right, and uh, David Moore, he is a quarterback now at Garden City Community College and was formerly here in Memphis, the University of Memphis, football quarterback. And David, man, it has been a pleasure, young man, to have you, an honor to have you on our show this morning, and we wish you the best in whatever endeavors you, uh, whatever you and uh, reaching out to do there and wherever you may go, and uh, we're going to follow you. And we'll, we would love and be honored to have you back on again. Yes, sir. I'd, I'd love to be back on. I appreciate you guys and uh, wish you guys nothing but the best as well. All right, yes, David. Uh, thanks for joining us. All right. And Josh, great conversation. And, yeah. uh, we want to thank also, uh, give these guys a last uh, moments here yeah, to talk to about, what, they, talk about what, they what they've heard. As a matter of fact, can we take a break here? Yeah. And then take a break and come back and then get our comments from, uh, Justice Bolden and Evan Duvall on what they heard here and what they think, uh, about David Moore and, uh, his future, what they've heard. We're going to continue that conversation coming up and then, uh, maybe, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they have some great, great comments and you want to stick around and listen to what they have to say coming up after the break. It is now 10, 14, 14 minutes past the hour, 10 o'clock, a very pleasant Good morning to you on a Tuesday morning. You're listening to Talk Back Live with Bob and Josh. AM 730. Sergeant Chris Richardson of the Tennessee Highway Patrol reminding all motorists that texting and driving is prohibited by law in Tennessee. Anytime a driver is distracted and takes his eyes off the road or his hands off the wheel, it is unsafe. Texting is the most alarming distraction of all, and our youngest drivers are most at risk. Please commit to distracted-free driving today. It can save lives, maybe even your own. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Patrol. For the best soul food in the Mid-South, it's Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd, 901-946-4303. Serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And some of the items on their menu consist of catfish, spaghetti, chicken and dressing, turkey wings, meatloaf, fried chicken, cabbage, yams, greens, salmon croquette, and the list goes on. 
some of the best soul food you ever taste in the Mid-South, it is Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd. Call them again at 901-946-4303. Been in business since 1991. Shop and Save. 1499 South 3rd. 901-946-4303. For some of the best soul food you'll ever taste. Are you looking for a good, honest mechanic? Well, you have found one. Hi, my name is Marcus Williams, owner of Automotive Repair for Less, offering you lesser rates for your automobile repairs. We do major and minor work replacing engines, transmissions, tune-ups, brakes, and almost anything you need in automotive repair. I'm located at 2975 James Road in between Wharf and Hollywood on top of the overpass bridge. My number is 901-859-6169. That is again. 901-859-6169. Hopefully I hear from you. Automotive repair for less. And welcome back to the show, Talk Back Live with Bob and Josh. And it is 10, 18, 18 minutes past the hour, 10 o'clock. A very pleasant good morning to you on a Tuesday morning. And we welcome back to the show. Uh, contributed to TalkBackLive.org and oh, so many other things these guys do and can do. And uh, Justice Bolden. Welcome back to the show, and uh, also Evan Duvall. Guys, respectfully, welcome back to the show. Hey, glad to be back. Yes, sir. David so Moore was a was a great interview. Definitely, man. Yeah, yeah go ahead, uh, Justice. What did you think about David, man? Well, well, first off, um, you know, I, I thought he was very articulate, and uh, you know, he he really, um, you know, he he was just a good interview, and, and you could see where. His teammates would like him just based on his personality. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fact that he talks about how he's still friends with a lot of the guys and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll continue to support each other. Uh, that, that's what teammates do. And, uh, you know, going through battles and, uh, to be honest, I think it's unfortunate that he had the injury, uh, in spring. And, you know, when you hear him talk about the fact that, you know, he essentially played with a torn meniscus during the spring, he really didn't have the chance to ever play healthy at the University of Memphis, if you really think about it, uh, and, and get a real shot at, at, the, at the job. And so he was really coming up against the eight ball because uh, White had the advantage. But um, in terms of, you know, not only knowing Novell uh, from Arizona State, but being healthy, I think, was, was the biggest thing. So, um, but, you know, all in all, he, he was a great interview. And, and, and after listening to him, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say I, I think he did make the right decision for himself and for his career, uh, based on the information he was provided, uh, essentially he was provided that, hey, 
you know, Brady's probably going to be the guy. And, um, you know, for, for a kid who's already, you know, been there since he was 17 years old, I can understand him wanting to go and play. So the fact mm-hmm. that he, he's got some goals he's going to accomplish. He's going to be able to, uh, you know, graduate in December and then go to a, a, another Division One school in January. Mm-hmm. And ideally, and more than likely, it'll be a school that's going to play him. So yeah. I think he made the right decision in hindsight. Uh, you know, I know I said earlier that, uh, you know, I, I think he should have stuck around and, and the team probably could have used him, but after listening to, to David Moore, he, he stated his case articulately and I think he made the right decision. Very good point. Uh, Evan. I wanted to ask you guys a question. Okay. Uh, one of just hearing things. Did he say coming into spring camp, he was already notified that David Moore was ahead of him or did I catch that wrong? Yeah, that uh, Brady White was ahead of him, yeah. I mean, David, David Brady White was already ahead of him. So yeah. before the competition started, he was ahead of him. Yeah. what I got. Yeah, that, that, that okay. is what he said, yeah. Wow. That's, so. that's kind of crazy. But um, I really, like Justin said, uh, thought that he articulated himself uh, very well. Evan, what are you? What, what, Evan, what are you trying? Are you trying to start something here? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, I, he said it. I just I, he kind of baffled me when he said it. I was like, yeah. wait a minute, what? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, all right. That didn't catch my. No, head. no, that's okay, Evan. Go ahead. It, it, it is what it is. We'll say that for another day. But I thought <laughs> that he articulated himself very well. Uh, you can really tell how much he loves that program still. Mm-hmm. And when I, I believe it was Joshua X how important it was for him to win that starting spot. He said, I've been preparing for it since I was 17. Mm. When you do something like that for that long, you just don't quit on it. Yeah. So, And, and that's why I took offense myself, uh, being a former athlete who transferred and, and made this, certain decisions for himself. Uh, I kind of felt him in the shoes that he was in. Uh, he, he did not quit on his team. He got the information that he was given by the coaching staff. He sat down and made a well uh, advised decision with his family, and he made the decision that was best for him. Uh, as he stated, he felt like Mike Norvell was not going to use him, period. So although we had an opportunity to play two quarterback situations or he would have played uh, in this game or that game, throw it out, it was not going to happen according to him. Uh, so I, I really think he's a solid young man, has his head on his shoulder straight. Like just to say, he has opportunity to graduate in December. He will be on a Division One team next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really good get by you, Josh. Man, great interview. I really enjoyed talking to him, and we'll be following him from here on out. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and indeed, uh, uh, Evan, and you know, it, it's. Uh, I think one of the things here too is uh, that you know, listening to him in the interview, you can uh, see uh, the professionalism and how much he felt and feels about playing football. It's not just a game he's playing. Uh he's tied into this thing. You can sense the emotional and the and the, the emotions and uh the stuff that he talks about the way he talks about the game even when he's talking. Yeah and you know what's amazing about Memphis and I noticed this with several teams. Um well Memphis teams, right? Mm-hmm. College pro, whatever it is. Whenever people that are not from Memphis they come here it's like once you're here and you play for a team here, you're a Memphian now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like David Moore is, is, is at that point now. Is, you know, even though, um, he wasn't a starter or anything, but being on that team last year, which was one of the most special, uh, circumstances in football, Memphis football history, mm-hmm. to be around that and to be in the city and embrace, just the way the city embraces you as a whole, I think, right. I think, I think it, 
Yeah. You know, I think it, it captivated him just like a lot of other right, guys. Right. You see that with the Grizzlies. You see it with the past Tiger teams where mm-hmm. people come from other cities and come in. They're, they're basically Memphians for life. Very good point. And I tell you what, let's go to the phone line and we have somebody standing by, uh, that, uh, want to comment. Want to yeah. comment. Uh, who do we have? I'm forgetful. I'm forgetful. Welcome to the show. Good morning on a Tuesday. Hey, Bob and John. Yes. And your guests, man, y'all are doing a great show, man. I really appreciate y'all, man. Thanks, I man. mean, it was great. And it was, I had the opportunity to, to tape the interview and listen to what the words you were saying. And that, what's that? You, not Justin Bowler, but the other guest you got is who? Uh, Evan. Yeah, Evan. You're right, man. He said he, he was ahead of him. He didn't even practice or nothing. Yeah. He was automatically ahead of him. And he stated uh, the situation that, uh, he was hurt, but he got better half of the summer season and stuff. And now that was just kind of strange. It seemed like a, to me, he didn't want to step in the toes. I can respect that. You know what I'm saying? I can respect that. But in this situation, he had the opportunity to me to be a trailblazer for any other future, uh, universe of Memphis player to come mm-hmm. next, you know, if the situation happened to happen. Now all over again you know what i mean yeah definitely definitely man but you know when you're in this thing you have to <laughs> kind of uh sort of like bite a few things down so people can't get it all mixed up and stuff but i can respect him for that and i can understand how he yeah, did the interview because he was talking about he got uh players over there you know who playing now yeah mm-hmm. and you know you got the universal who trying to win game so for him to come out in another way and, and tell the story, it might have a, a, a drastic effect on the team because he loved his brothers over there. So I can understand that too, David. But, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, if it was me, I would step in and be the trailblazer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If it was me. Okay. But we'll see what happens right. as the years pass on. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm forgetting. All right, thank you all for the, the great interview and, the, the knowledge that you give the people out here that love sports. Thank you, brother. All right, thanks, uh, uh, mm, unforgettable. Yes. yes. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, this is gonna have to, we're gonna well, wind it up here and last comments. Yes. Let's start with, uh, Evan. Um, great interview. Appreciate you guys having me on once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give a shout out. So our hometown guy, Anthony Miller, caught his first oh, yeah. touchdown in the last night. <laughs> yes, sir. So, uh, shout out to Anthony Miller, man. Yes, sir. Indeed. Doing the shoot dance and everything, shouting out Memphis <laughs> all the way, all the way, man. And uh Justice, man, what say you? Well, before I leave with this last quote, my mind, my, my ears are playing tricks on me because I thought Ray, uh, David Moore said that Brady White transferred in while him and uh, Brady Davis was there. And that after the spring, he was told that, uh, you know, uh, Brady White was ahead of him. But now okay. I got to go back and listen again because yeah, uh, so. two yeah. people have said that he said the other thing. So, uh, but, uh, all in all, I like David Moore. I wish he was at Memphis. I wish he was getting reps. But, uh, you know, he moved on and, and mm-hmm. I think he might today. And I want to leave everyone with this quote. Uh, the harder the battle, the sweeter the victory. So, uh, I think. Uh, the victory will be sweet down the road. All right. Yes, guys, and we appreciate you guys joining us. Justice Bowden, Evan Duvall, guys, 
thanks again and have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you again next time. All right. Hey, that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank all of you for your phone calls, your conversation, your Facebook messages, so on and so forth. And look, uh, all of you that uh, called in and talking to uh, uh, Pastor Colin Packer and your questions, and when we said you had to leave questions and you wanted to make comments, uh, you know, we just didn't have time for all the comments. And if you're pissed off about that, then you just going to have to be pissed off, pissed on, and down and around the boat. But, hey, I'm sorry for that. We just can't, you know, I, I can't accommodate all your feelings and emotions on that old thing. But, anyway, hey, thanks for joining us today. Coming up next at 11 o'clock, it is the Sports Bar and Grill with John Lawson and company. At 3, it is Bill Moore Sports Call, 7, Ben Eater Power Hour. We'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. to do it all over again, folks. Have a wonderful, wonderful blessed day today, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Serving Memphis, Tennessee, East Arkansas, and North Mississippi, this is KQPN AM 730, West Memphis, Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee. AM 730 SB Nations Radio, your news, talk, sports, and information station. Mayonnaise you want. So maybe you have more of a ratio where you like more ketchup than mayonnaise. And maybe this is even. You know what I mean? So maybe the mixture is not perfect. Well, maybe for this everybody. is just the first step. And then later on, they're going to introduce, you know, more mayo than ketchup, then more ketchup than mayo. And yeah, that's true too. Now maybe people put this on hot dogs too. I don't know. Do people like mayonnaise on hot dogs? Does anyone Kinda hope not. No. I know a lot of people get mad if you put communist. I know a lot of people get mad if you put, now I don't eat meat, but I, a lot of people get mad if you put ketchup on your hot dogs. Yeah. Like really mad. Really mad. So I don't know. We'll see how this one goes. Interesting decision by Heinz. All right. So I was getting to college football and it brings me to a situation going on at Florida State, which by the way, they are one and two. I don't know if you saw what happened this weekend. Florida State, who they played. I'm trying to remember who Florida State played off the top of my head. They lost a game this weekend badly. Who did Florida State play this weekend? I can't think of it off the top of my, oh, Syracuse. That's who they played. They lost to my orange. Come on, Florida State. You don't come into the dome and leave unscathed. Ask Dabo Sweeney what happened last year. Clemson came into the Dome, and Clemson got rocked by Syracuse, okay? Clemson's only ACC loss last year, only regular season loss last year, came against the Cuse. This year, Florida State comes in, and they get beaten down. By the way, Syracuse got some votes for the top 25, which they have not gotten in a long, long time. I don't know why beating Florida State justifies that, but nonetheless. And, oh, by the way, Florida State, this is embarrassing. Florida State got beat by Syracuse's backup quarterback, this kid Tommy DeVito, nice young player. But all I'm saying is, if Syracuse is missing its starting quarterback against Florida State, historically, you would think that Florida State would run away with this game. But actually, the backup quarterback for Syracuse, Tommy DeVito, played better than the starting quarterback, DeAndre Francois, for Florida State. And man, that guy gets a beaten. Okay, Florida State cannot protect him whatsoever. But nonetheless, we know the new head coach there is Willie Taggart. And before I get to coach Willie Taggart, I want to give Jimbo Fisher a round of applause. A heck of a job by Jimbo. This man beat the system. Okay, Jimbo Fisher knew what he had on that roster. And Jimbo Fisher, through his agent, put it out there that, you know, he'd like to move on. He's interested in the Texas A&M job. And A&M's like, wait, we can get Jimbo Fisher? 
a guy that won a national championship? We can get this guy to coach our team? Oh, yeah, we'll cut him the biggest check in the history of college football. So Jimbo Fisher gets $75 million, okay? So he gets a huge raise to go to Texas A&M, and he leaves this dumpster fire behind. This is like the most perfect timing in 